Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Afternoon Tune. I am your host, Josh, and with me is my co-host. It's your boy, Nick, and it's also his very agitated dog bubbles. Yeah, and we got uh, Dust coming in, a uh, long-time journeyman of the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Just a little tired, that's all. Uh, that is nice, man. <laughs> uh, like, I know you've been, uh, like, up uh, a lot all day, um, and thanks for coming in. Because uh, Dust is going to come in oh, and review uh, Stillwater for us because I didn't get a chance to see it. So he's going to come in for uh, us with that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty nice. Uh, we also have reviews for Jungle Cruise that we're going to be talking about. Uh, we get reviews for Master of the Universe uh, mm -hmm. Relations, uh, Revelations. We have also Batman The Long Halloween, uh, the two-parter DC animated movie that came out. Um, and we're also going to discuss uh, some news. Uh, we're going to discuss the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer that dropped a couple of days ago. Uh, the Chucky TV series trailer that's going to be on the Sci-Fi Network. Uh, going to send our best well wishes to Bob Odenkirk. Uh, he's doing well now. Um, at first, there was some issues that we'll, we'll yeah. talk about and we'll discuss, uh, but he's doing better. Uh, we're also going to discuss, uh, everybody's thinking about suing Disney now. Uh, everybody's kind of gearing up. Uh, Scarlett mm -hmm. Johansson, Emma Stone's yep, possibly. Uh, yeah. All these motherfuckers always think they can sue me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be talking about that as well. And also Miranda Maverick, uh, she had a tough match, um, you know, and, you know, so it's kind of a controversial yeah, decision. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she, she won a fight. Everybody thought she won a fight except the, except two out of the three judges in Las Vegas. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that, um, you know, controversial decision that, that kind of happened there. So. Yeah, so we're going to be discussing that, and, and Nick is going to be going into depth about that and whether or not, you know, what's the controversy and all behind that. Um, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, staying busy. Uh, school's about to wrap up in, like, the next couple weeks, so I'm just, like, uh, getting all my, like, uh, research to get for my final term papers. Okay. Uh, Dusk, what about you, man? Uh, tired, uh, working on different things, studying on different things, but uh, making time for when I can. It's like showing up on this wonderful mm. podcast. Yeah, uh -huh. and uh, we're glad you're able to make it. Uh, that's awesome, yeah, because coming in clutch with that. Um, Green Knight, I'm going to see Green Knight later, possibly tomorrow. I mm. might come in, do a stream that day or Sunday, kind of midday, like five or six Sunday um come in for that because mm. um i know green day is also uh, green night was also the i say green day uh, fuck the fucking punk band uh, <laughs> uh but also so so i know that's a Shit, no, I'd, I'd be down for an a24 green day biopic yeah. yeah uh that'd be yeah that'd be pretty awesome i'm also excited for uh i'm excited for the green night yeah so mm. so i got yeah, me as well i've been looking forward to it i love i love Athernian legends and medieval aspects mm. like that so i've been looking forward to it um, so we're going to be discussing that uh, as well. So possibly Sunday I might come in and do it. Uh, I know that was like a really highly anticipated movie for a lot of people because I've been seeing trailers for it for a while now for a long time. I know a lot of people have been yeah, pretty excited. They've, uh, A24 has been really upping their game. Uh, they either really believe it or they really want to sell it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm also very, very interested to see it. It looks very interesting. Uh, Dev Patel, you know, so... Looks pretty good, so I'm I'm interested I mean, to check it out myself. Ed Patel is already he's pretty proved himself as an actor anyway, so I'm yeah. not too worried about mm -hmm. that. Fun. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, to go into our first uh, news topic of the day, uh, we're going to be discussing Bob Odenkirk. Um, if anybody doesn't know, um, he just had a little bit of an incident um, on the Better Call Saul set. Um, he kind of, you know, fainted, uh, had to go to the hospital, and, you know, he's doing well now. Um, he put out a tweet, but it was, it was kind of amazing to see kind of all the outpouring of love and support that he received uh, when this happened. Uh, you know, when this happened, you had tons of people come out. You know, of course, people from like David Cross, who, you know, he worked with on Mr. Show. Um, you had, uh, you know, Brian Cranston, uh, Gene Carlo Esposito from, you know, Breaking Bad, all those members from Breaking, cast members from Breaking Bad, um, all come out and just, you know, overall, just a lot of people were just going like, yeah, I mean, we all want him to just be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of everybody was kind of supporting him. Um, what do you, what did you all got, uh, guys think when you about heard the news with him? Um, well, I was, uh... Initially, I was like really like shocked and scared that having uh, health issues uh, all this late in life, especially considering that no that he just did uh, nobody and got like really in shape for that. But uh, these things happen. I'm glad he's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, does. Um, back from the Mister Show days, he always seemed like uh, kind of an unsung. Uh, comedic kind of actor, just kind of that kind of mm. guy. Um, I'm really happy that um, a lot of careers actually really just took off thanks to uh, Breaking Bad. And uh, I'm really happy that Better Call Saul in his character, at least that kind of avenue, he was able to kind of take that character and run with it. And his kind of career kind of got like a second mm. chance in a more wider audience. Yeah. And uh, nobody was a. F- no, it was a fun movie. I ended up seeing it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, yeah, and it's mm-hmm. kind of amazing how like long of a career that he's had oh, yeah. because he's he he was uh, he had Mr. Show back in the day, oh, and yeah. since then he was kind of he was kind of like uh, just a background character actor that would appear like. He, he was like, uh, oh, it's that guy for the longest time. Yeah. Until, like, uh, Breaking Bad came on and then uh, Saul Goodman. So so was Brian Cranston, in all honesty. Mm. They were yeah. both really good well, character well, actors. Well, Cranston, he also did, had a, a lead role on uh, Malcolm in the Middle. True, but... He, he was one of one of the bigger parts oh, of Oh, absolutely. And but I kind of agree with you that, yeah, he was more of a character actor until... Uh, until Breaking Bad came along. Until people realized, oh, oh shit, this guy can actually be utilized effectively. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, until people realized how awesome of an actor he is. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I feel the same thing with Bobby Kotick as well. A lot of comedians end up being really good dramatic or professional actors mm-hmm. because they kind of earn their stripes on stage. I mean, hell, uh, I love Bill Burr. He's not the greatest. He's not the greatest actor, but I love him <coughs> almost every time I see him on, on a movie feature. And he was also in uh, both Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. <laughs> and uh, he'll, he's the first one to admit that he's a terrible actor. But I love seeing him, even though he plays himself. He's got great comedic timing. Yeah. So um, just uh, and yeah, when you have a guy like that who's just kind of been hustling with his career this whole time, I'm actually a little shocked that he didn't. This didn't kind of happen sooner. Yeah, because he is, uh, he's 58 years old. Um, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so he is 58. Um, I didn't know he was uh, that old. Um, and with this, so it happened. Show. 
Mr. Show stuff is like 20 plus years old. Yeah. Um, so sources say this is from the Hollywood Reporter. So it says sources say production was a little more than halfway done on the final season of uh, Better Call Saul. Um, and then Older Kirk, that's when he kind of suffered a heart attack there. And so then he had to be rushed. But um, he did have a message, uh, which uh, Nick sent me as well. So I'm just going to read it off um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. basically say, uh, say what he said. Um, hold on just a second. So uh, this is from his Twitter here. It says, uh, hi, it's Bob. Thank you to my family and friends who have surrounded me this week and for outpouring of love from everyone who expressed concern and care for me. It's overwhelming, but I feel the love and it means so much. Uh, I had a small heart attack, but I'm going to be okay. Thanks to Rosa uh, Strada and the doctors who knew how to fix the blockage without surgery. Also, AMC and Sony support and help throughout the this has been next level. I'm going to take a beat and recover, but I'll be back soon. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, he didn't have to have any major surgery, so that's pretty good uh, that he's able that to. That is very, hmm. yeah. very lucky, very fortunate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, good. Uh, you know. Larry said he would say, "Yeah, it was just a small heart attack. It was no big deal." Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so um, so moving on from discussing that, glad he's okay. Glad he's doing very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so from moving on, I'm going to discuss some trailers real quick. Uh, the Chucky trailer. Yeah, we're going to be discussing that first. So mm-hmm. Chucky's going to have a TV series that's mm-hmm. going to be coming on the Sci-Fi Network. Um, and Brad Dorf, he's going to come back and voice the role of Chucky. Yep. Um, when's the last yep, time he Brad Dorf is back voicing? Brad Dorf is back voicing the role of Chucky. And the biggest thing is that this is showrun, created and written by uh, Don Mancini, who was the original creator of Chucky and has written or directed pretty much every single Chucky movie aside from the one the with original. Mark Hamill. Uh, yeah, aside from the 2019 reboot, which there's a. The, which Dead Meets a Kill Count of that movie, they go into kind of the history with uh, Chucky and Mancini. Yeah, actually, that's a really good episode um, of mm. the Kill Counts. If you're at all interested in sometimes horror history or stuff like that, he did a really good job of just breaking it down. Mm. Yeah, and and at some point I agree with that. I still like that, uh, that version of Chucky, but it was kind of missing a little bit of... Uh, Something that Mancini's always like wanted to do with Chucky, he al- is always trying to experiment with it. He's flipping around different genres and tones, and it looks like it's kind. Of, and that looked like what they're going for with here, with uh, like a bride and a seed of Chucky. He went like a little more uh, cartoonishly comedic route, which, but most people's accounts, eh, kind of didn't work. But it was kind of a return to form in the direct videos, like a curse and cult of Chucky. Yeah, which, they were... uh, went with a more gothic tone, which uh, brought it a uh, more dark comedy, which I think it really is what you kind of have to do with the character like Chucky. Kind of at this point, mm-hmm. this uh, the series started off fairly, really serious at first. The first two are extremely bloody and really dark. The third mm-hmm. one is when it really starts to kind of put more of that sense of humor. And that's when uh, the the kid from the first two movies is now in military camp. And mm-hmm. he's military boot camp at this point. Um, he's been separated from his mom since the second movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, and then the fourth one kind of deviates on its own. And we don't see that character again until five, honestly. And then six left on a cliffhanger without spoiling anything that left on an interesting cliffhanger 
So I'm curious to see where this TV show is kind of going to go with it, but I actually think that's probably a better route than just making a full-on another movie. Because there seems to... It's definitely since 5 and 6, it seems like he's wanted to put a little bit more story into these. Mm. And... Yeah, he wants to, like, play around more with the characters that are around Chucky. Yeah. Because... Because... Chucky's iconic. You don't uh, you don't appear in Ready Player One just because of one good slasher no. movie back in the eighties, unless you're unless you're uh, Stanley Kubrick. But sure. I mean, <laughs> not everyone is a cinematic genius or <laughs> someone like that. No, uh, Brad Dorf also is the unsung hero for that character. That character would. Uh, no disrespect to Mark Hamill, I think he played he did a good job for that movie. That movie mm. he is not part of the reason why that movie is not as good as it should be he's doing everything mm. that he's told to do or given but, but you just can't beat brad dorf brad dorf is also a very unsung uh horror actor and just a character actor in general if you've ever seen uh the third exorcist movie i know the uh, the second one is mm. the second one is like out really out there and really weird first exorcist is still really good but i think the third mm. one might be the a best like hidden sequel that nobody really knows about based on a book uh, legion it's very good and brad Dort does a fantastic performance as this just demon inhabiting this guy yeah i, I would have yeah i agree with you a lot especially considering like the long career he's had and or he's easily the best thing one one of the better actors in uh, rob zombies halloween movies mm-hmm. i don't think those are particularly good, but his performance stands out most to me. Yeah, he, he always gives 100%. He's very unsung. Mm. Uh, I am The amount of times I've seen him at, at, in the different acting and the amount he pushes himself, especially with Exorcist 3, uh, mm. I am. I was so uh, shocked that he's never got really a big award nomination for any of these performances, because he really puts himself out there. So... Hopefully, this uh, TV series will just allow him to just keep shining as that character, and we'll see what uh, murderous, wacky adventures Chucky will get into into yeah. again. Yeah. So from this trailer, uh, you mostly see so you know he's got this uh, another you know kind of boy that's with him, a uh, character named Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, they also say the character will be um, you know gay. Uh, so and you see like he's getting bullied mm-hmm. in school, um, and it's kind of like he's going to be assisting Chucky possibly in the crimes as well, you know, help, you know, kind of getting revenge on his bullies and things like mm. that. Um, and <laughs> so, um, so that'd be kind yeah, of, that's a, interesting kind of going like a revenge fantasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. revenge fantasy and things kind of just go, uh, you know, kind of a straight, you know, straight from there, like him kind of getting revenge and this things going out of control. So that's kind of an interesting new take. Cause I don't think I've ever seen it where, the the like the boy he was with has ever like joined him in his crime so i think that's kind of a no uh a new take that is very new aside from cult of chucky where he acquired this kind of cult around him and this idea Mm. really actually or even uh even uh bride of chucky with uh the jennifer tilly character yeah who Um, she's gonna be in this even that's kind of hitting this uh yeah she's yeah based on the movies we've seen of her and the most recent one she I'd be surprised if she wasn't. Uh, mm. yeah. I'm actually really, uh, including that, it's going to be interesting whatever else he pulls uh, from those movies to include in the series because you could you could get some interesting dynamics about the other characters who have survived and have experienced 
and live through Chucky's BS and be like, look, kid, you don't want any part of this. He's just going to betray you eventually. He's a wild <laughs> like, Chucky's a wild card. Like, not, like he is crazy. Like, you don't want to deal with him at all. He's not going to end things well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Your alliance. Oh, no. Um, no, you can finish. One of my favorite lines from this, from the fourth one, where he's... Or no, it's the fifth one. It has to be... It was one of the ones where it's like, uh, screw it. I'm just going to stay. It's like, I'm just going to stay as the living doll. Because at this point, it's just way less more, less complicated than all this voodoo bullshit. Mm. It's just way simpler <laughs> just being an evil doll that kills people. Yeah. It's just way less more complicated. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so, so I, I mean, I think the trailer looks pretty interesting. Um, you know, it's interesting to see if they how they can stretch the concept out over the course of a season uh, rather than, mm, you know, mm. just kind of a whole single movie. So that'd be pretty interesting. I wonder, uh, let me see how many episodes they're going to do of this. Uh, because, uh, let me see. I can't imagine that it'd be more than 10 yeah, episodes. more than 10 would be much. Yeah, um, so it's going to come out, it's going to premiere this year, October 12th. Uh, which is nice. Um, oh, Halloween. It, yeah, uh, close to Halloween. So it serves as a continuation of Cult of Chucky. So it's in line with those series of movies. Mm, sweet. Uh, so, you know, which was Cult of Chucky was the seventh film in the franchise. Um, yes. Um, it doesn't have an episode order mm -hmm. here. Um, it doesn't say how many episodes it's going to be. It is the eighth. I'm sorry. It is um, the eighth. Oh, it says ten episodes. Uh, it's set to write all ten episodes. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, for the first season and direct the first season. Okay, so yeah, it's going to be 10. So yeah, I think that's a good, solid length for this. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it looks pretty good and see what they do. Um, is there any, any criticisms for the trailer? Uh, none that I can't. None that uh, I would say are anything other than probably because they're working with a TV budget. You know, it didn't look as bad as I thought it would. Hmm. Considering it's on the sci-fi, I thought it was going to look way worse. Yeah, but it didn't look as bad as I thought it. Yeah, would. I mean, Don't give it that compliment. It doesn't look great, but it didn't look as bad as I thought. Yeah, some of the sci-fi. I mean, Battlestar. I mean, Galactica. it doesn't look any worse than it doesn't look. Yeah, it doesn't look any worse than like Curse or Cult of Jackie did. Bro. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, moving on from discussing Chucky, we're going to discuss Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, the trailer for that. Um, or some people might call it Ghostbusters Stranger Things uh, Afterlife. Um, as you see, like you have... Uh, ghost, uh, ghoster Things. Ghoster yeah, things. Go Ghoster Things. Um, here, um, it gives a little bit more story uh, with the trailer, a little bit kind of more what's happening. Um, and so how do you all kind of feel about it? Because like from the trailer, I liked kind of this trailer, I think, better than the first trailer they showed. Mm. Um, you know, of course, they're not trying to hide, like we're going to bring back... The other, you know, members of you know, kind of of the Ghostbuster franchise. You have the secretary, the assistant. Uh, you know, she's going to be back, and she's going to be kind of part of it as well. Um, what do you guys think about this trailer as opposed to the last trailer? Uh, hello. Uh, oh. I, I think it's a. I I thought it was an okay trailer. It does a good job of showing off the plot, but. Honestly, I'm a little tired of stuff just aping Stranger Things. Like, do something different with Ghostbusters. I get the the whole, like, reboot it with the younger crowd. And it's cool that they brought uh, Jason Reitman in to direct it, but I don't know if Reitman's a proven blockbuster director. Or if anyone was even asking for another Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Does? I... I... 
I know uh, the Ghostbuster franchise is kind of a a bit of, a bit of a mess at the moment, thanks to the 2016 hmm. one. The 2016 one, that one was that didn't succeed on multiple different layers. A, mm. it tried to ape off of uh, the old franchise like a like a vampire. They didn't quite understand what made it work. Uh, <laughs> nothing really to do with the actors, or I should say actresses, but they weren't really given much anyways, so there's only so much you can kind of do. And well, that's, just, it, that's just indicative of Paul Faye. He almost the, never gives... Uh, like a Paul Feig, excuse me. He almost never gives like a full script, except in very rare cases. True, and, but it's not. It's like um, again that that has a whole bunch of movie issues. A mo- and I will agree with you on this. It just it's just feel like it's just aping off of Stranger Things. And really, I always thought with the next plot, if you wanted to do a mainline entry, you should just focus on Oscar. You know hmm. the, the kid. The kid could like you could go some really interesting avenues with the seek with the third movie. Yes, you can't get Harold Ramis, you can't get the original crew, and that that really sucks. Like th- I would have still loved a schlubby Ghostbusters, and like sixty years old, and they still got to like ah shit. I did that prepare for retirement. <laughs> We've opened up some chains over here. Ah <laughs> crap! Like uh, and uh, I was like I don't know. Sigourney Weaver always thought that the, the next movie should have involved Oscar anyways, because she just thought that would have been a little more logical. And I kind of agree with it. If you're going to bring a younger generation, you have to make it meaningful. You have to have some meaningful ties, especially Oscar could... Yeah, you can't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just can't have... Hey, this is the family of one of the guys that we never mentioned up until now. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, that's... B- okay. Let's say, like, uh, you had, like, Oscar. He was there. And then, like, oh... Egon and um, shoot, is like um, what's her name? Who's the his the love interest in the first movie? What's her name? The secretary. Uh, Amy. Uh, I don't know. It's been a while what? since I've seen Ghostbusters. Whatever. Um, they is like a, maybe they have like a daughter or whatever, and she's really good at science stuff. And then that's how like oh she finds some old equipment, and. Uh, Oscar maybe because of his interactions with all the, that um, that that evil dude in the second movie maybe now he can see ghosts, so he doesn't have to have like an EKD and he's like weird visions or other stuff. There's so many cool directions you could go with that, and you could have like you know you can't bring back Harold Ramis, but like you know maybe she's you know you could do something interesting and something like really sweet with the Harold Ramis Egon character. Really kind of explore that, expand the universe, make things interesting. And all I kind of saw was a, okay, we're going to be in, like, the Echo 1, and it's going to have a sidecar, and then I'm going to shoot a laser at it. Yeah, yeah the Echo 1's going to have a sidecar. We're going to the country when, you know, the city of New York was a huge character yeah. in both Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, it's just, like, it, it's kind of like you're missing the point. The point was never, they're, they're schlubby exterminators, which is, about, which is about capitalism and abusing capitalism. <laughs> It's the spirit of entre- entrepreneurship. That's the whole point, pun intended. And <laughs> mm. um, it's like you kind of just don't get any of that. That's uh, not the point with this new one. Um, well, uh, let's see. So, uh, like, so you said, what was the name of the uh, receptionist from the first Ghostbusters? Uh, so it's Annie uh, Annie Potts. That was her name. Um, Annie, I think I said Amy. Sorry. It's Annie, oh. Annie Potts. 
Um, so sorry about that. Um, also, so with this, no, no uh, so with the shred, so you see some familiar, you know, you see the Echo One, of course, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters thing. You see the Stay Puff Marshmallow, um, you know, that's back. So they they're doing something with them, except tinier. So it seems like they're trying to make those maybe mm. kind of like toys or maybe little things that you know you can you know kids will like, and then then maybe they'll buy those. Um, you also see with this as well. Um, you also see kind of connections back to it, like they're watching a YouTube video where they're seeing an old Ghostbusters commercial. That makes sense. I think that feels kind of, you know, pretty, you know, kind of naturally bringing the other stuff in. Is sometimes with these things, what you're doing with such a large franchise, you know, you know, a story franchise as Ghostbusters that has so many fans, it's tough to try to please the older people, the newer people. This new one, like you said, New York was such a big part of the Ghostbusters, but it, I mean, New York it's just that that was kind of like i think ghostbusters was just ghostbusters and this is kind of trying to be that with something a little bit different trying to take it to somewhere else it's like okay we've done new york before we've, mm. we've done all kind of those things and let's try to see if we can take it somewhere else and give it a fresher feeling there um and when you say like well you know first ghostbusters you know kind of was a reflection on capitalism and things like that um yeah i mean these people they are moving to this you know this smaller town because they are poor so it's like okay, we got to go back, uh, you know, to this you know kind of smaller town, and you know because it's like we don't have enough money to kind of maybe live uh, in the bigger city like maybe New York, um, and you know kind of the kid characters. I have to see them, you know, in the thing. Um, you know, that can go either way. Sometimes it could be annoying. Sometimes yeah. it could be good. Um, depends on how yeah. you do it. Uh, Paul Rudd. It looks like he's, you know, Paul Rudd is always charming in anything he's ever in. Being Paul Rudd, yeah, um, you know what I mean. He's just great, you yeah. know, kind of great guy to watch on screen. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Paul Rudd's being his eternally charming vampire self, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's so. just a, he's just a cool dude. Yeah, so so he looks pretty nice in the trailer. Um, I'm a little bit kind of more, you know, eager to see it now, seeing this one than I was the previous trailer. Because mm-hmm. I just think it gives a lot more. Um, yeah. Also, you see, kind of at the end of the trailer, they do an, uh, like Dan Aykroyd. He kind of voices when they try to call. Um, you know, you know, people kind of wanted. I know people really wanted, you know, them to maybe do a third Ghostbusters, but now that's you know completely out of the window since mm-hmm. you know Harold Ramis is you know, yeah. passed away. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. And I, I'm just what I was trying to say wasn't the fact that I don't accept all those other things. To me, the location, while that was a big part of those old ones, I agree with you. That doesn't matter. What matters is how the characters are handled, and it just needs to be a tight script. But flowing of characters and ideas is what's important. And I just don't care at the end of the day. These characters, I don't... I, maybe they'll grow on me. Maybe. And I hope they do. Yeah. But to me, it just doesn't even feel like it. It feels like a side story. Hmm. And I guess maybe that's the best way to go into it. Not looking at it as the as a Ghostbusters movie. Just going, eh, here's just a side, here's just a side story. And they happen to find the equipment. Like it's one of those episodes, like in the Batman animated show, where it's like I got Batman and Batman in my basement. It's just a one off mm. filler sides thing, but we gave it an actual budget in a movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it could be look cool. I like the some of the ghost effects that we see in the trailer yeah. uh, you got another those look really good kind of you got another I, slimer you kind of get like you got like another slimer looking creature mm. yeah 
Which, yeah. yeah. And I liked some of, and I like uh, some of the kid actors. In Wolfhard, I think he, w- I thought he was uh, great in uh, both it, both it movies, and I wanted to see, I want to see the guy get more of a big break. He was especially in... like as he's growing older, as oh, yeah. as um as a uh, some of the other cast of, of uh, it and Stranger Things that they's uh have uh have grown. Yeah. Like we talked a while about Caleb McLaughlin, he did great in a uh, Concrete Cowboy. Jack Dylan Grazer, he's amazing in Shazam and it. Yeah, did good voiceover he... work in Luca. Didn't go uh, very much so. so. Yeah, I mm. actually did. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, uh, when is this coming out? Let's see, goes and with Jason Reitman, um, he was on a streak for a long time where it was kind of like, I mean, it was hit after hit. Mm. I mean, because it was like, well, at least critically, um, you know, like Thank You for Smoking with Aaron Eckhart. I love that movie. Oh, that's I think, fantastic. Yeah, that's that, an amazing movie. That movie's fantastic. Up in the Air is incredible. Yeah, really good. Uh, Juno, uh, was really great. That was yeah. a really good movie. Uh, then after that wasn't him, yeah, he, Wait, dir- was it? he directed Juno. He oh yeah, you're right. You're, uh, you're right. He didn't write it, um, but he directed it. You know, um, but um, after Up in the Air, it was kind of like Young Adult with Charlize Theron, which I wasn't really too big on. Um, I thought that was that one. I respect it more than I like it. Like I respect it a lot more as time has passed. But yeah, I'm on the fence with mm. you too, where I kind of feel mixed about it. Yeah. Um, then he did the movie called Labor Day. Which was like uh, that was like a real kind of uh, bomb there for him critically. Um, you know, I was like Labor Day. What? That was the movie with Josh Brolin in it uh, and Kate Winslet. Um, oh, sh- oh, yeah, it was, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, um, he did wow. that one. Um, he did that one. He also did Men, Women, and Children. Uh, that was the movie with um, uh, Adam Sandler was in it. Uh, that one I didn't see mm-hmm. that one. Um, uh, but that was with like Adam Sandler was in it, and Timothy Chalamet was in it. Um, Emma mm. Emma Thompson was in it as well. Or yeah, yeah, Emma Emma Thompson was in it as well. So yeah, so that was kind of like oh was no Timothy Chalamet wasn't in this. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, Adam Sandler was, and oh yeah, he was. So yeah, I'm sorry, I'm reading something different. Uh, my bad. So yeah, he was in it. Uh, Timothy Chalamet was in it. Ansel Elgort was in it. Um, I didn't see that one. I heard it wasn't really all that good either. Um, I don't know if any of you guys mm-hmm. checked it out, men, women, and children, but uh, so yeah, I didn't see that one. Um, then Tully, Tully, uh, I think I did see Tully, if I'm mistaken. I think that was the other movie with Charlize Theron as well. Um, that was oh, I remember that movie. That was the movie with the whole maid, and there, there's kind of like a twist in it a little bit. Um, if you all check that out, that was, I actually kind of found that one pretty nice. That was kind of decent. I actually found that one pretty good. Yeah, that, yeah, Tully, I actually really enjoyed. And I also really liked his movie after that, The Front Runner with, uh, uh, Hugh Jackman. Mm, okay. So it seems like he's kind of coming back. He's, you know, I think after Tully, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, the front, and the front one was about Hugh Jackman playing the politician, uh, that cheated, right? Cheated on his wife, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so it seems like okay, oh, yeah. and that yeah. uh, that was on HBO, right? That premiered on HBO, right? Uh, no, that was a uh, bad education. Oh, okay, that was bad education. Okay, so yeah, the one with uh, yeah. Hugh Jackman that was actually in the movie theater. Oh, okay, okay. Um, mm-hmm. and bad bad education was the one that premiered. Okay, so sorry about that. Um, I've been meaning to check the front runner out because I did hear really great things about that one. Um, as well. 
Um, so yeah, it seems like he's kind of you know making a little bit of a comeback before you know a little bit with his movies. So hopefully he continues that streak. Maybe maybe he's like one of those guys that does three great movies, then goes on a slump, does three good ones, going on a slump again. So maybe maybe we caught him in the good slump. We caught him in the up. So maybe Afterlife will be a part of that mm-hmm. up. Maybe so that'd be pretty good. Um, all right. Yeah, so- hope hopefully you know maybe it might just be a weak trailer. You never know. Yeah. Um, so all right. So moving on from discussing that, we're going to discuss. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, um, she is <laughs> burning down the house right here. Uh, so she is, uh, suing She's Disney. burning down the house of mouse. Yeah. Uh, so she is, uh, suing Disney. Uh, this has been a big conversation, um, online as well with her decision to do so. So basically, um, what she's, uh, mm-hmm. what she's doing is she, the lawsuit, the basis of it is that she feels like that, um, there was a, um, term of contract. Um, and when she was supposed to get it paid um, off the residuals of the uh, release of Black Widow, it being in theaters, and the condition was that it was you know only going to be a conditional release in movie theaters. Disney decided to do simultaneously with Disney Plus and with uh, with the movie releasing in theaters as well. So mm-hmm. she feels like she's owed uh, money for you know breach of contract. Um, Disney's fired back. Scarlett Johansson um, is also like her talent agency has fired back, um, and it's kind of the battle of these two entities. And you have kind of other people, even like Emma Stone, mentioning how she, you know, this reports that she's weighing options of also possibly doing the same thing since her movie Corella. There was also um, that also was kind of the same situation where it was kind of was it? I think Corella, yeah, it was released in theaters and it was released simultaneously on Disney Plus. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty much most of uh, 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 Disney Plus's uh, theatrical Disney's uh, theatrical releases this year, a lot of them ended up going to Disney Plus as well as theaters. Yeah, um, so like pretty much most of the stars are like weighing their options as far as legal legally. They might probably will wait to see how this one with Scarlet plays out, but all in all just uh, legally speaking disney is 100% in the wrong they vi- they breached the contract now could they have gone back and renegotiated in light of uh uh of how they were releasing it absolutely should they have 100% right uh, because this is so this is via deadline uh, so it says Scarlett Johansson filed a lawsuit against Disney on Thursday claiming that the studio breached her contract by releasing the Marvel movie Black Widow on Disney Plus at the same time it was released in theaters uh, the breach of contract lawsuit which they have it linked uh, on the deadline um, website you can go and read the lawsuit um, if you feel like being Perry Mason you can go check it out um, and was filed in Los Angeles Supreme Court and takes aim at the new phenomenon of studio streaming wars day and date releases in theaters on the streaming platform. The lawsuit claims by steering audiences to Disney Plus, the media conglomerate wanted to grow its subscriber base and boost its stock price. Yet that that was at the expense of Johansson, mm. whose compensation would largely be based on box office receipts. According to the lawsuit, while she uh, extracted a promise from Marvel that the release of Black Little would be a theatrical release, the lawsuit also claims that Disney's financial disclosures make clear that the very Disney executives who orchestrated this strategy will personally benefit from there, uh, uh, from there, and Disney's misconduct, as it identifies Disney CEO Bob uh, Chepik, uh, equality greats uh, uh, totaling 3.8 times his 2.5 million base salary in 2021, and the primary justification mm-hmm. for that award. So, um, so here, so you have a case. So you know that's what they're basically saying that 
you know, it benefited more them instead of her, even though Disney, they released a statement. Um, and I'll talk, I'll read that statement. Uh, Dusk, what do you think about it? Uh, uh, breach of contract. So while they, uh, one of the spokesperson explained for, especially for the Scarlett Johansson case, um, a lot of people have kind of been misinformed or trying to make a case like, oh, she's being kind of greedy. She got 20 million already. Yes, but in the pre-agreed contract, it was established that the box office was going to be where the majority of her money was going to come from. Robert Downey mm-hmm. Jr. initially had that investment, and then after that was proven to be a success, other actors stepped in, and that became a norm for Marvel contracts. When it switched over to streaming, they neglected to reestablish or re uh, redo contracting. So it still had the old ways, and a way of cutting cost is they put it on streaming and advertise that first and limited the box office amounts, therefore limiting the amount of money she would earn. There was no reestablishment on the terms. There was no changing of them. So, yeah, she got screwed out of possible a lot of money. And the, minimally, the success, they said it was a moderately successful movie based on the streaming and the amount of money that was paid through there, she sees none of it, mm. and the mouth is like a, the mouse is being very cheeky about it, and saying, "Oh, well, you made a lot of money through this, and out there the pandemic, you're asking for all this." No, sir, you breached this contract. You breached contract. You violated terms. You did not renegotiate, mm-hmm. and you deprived her uh, of your owed dues. And the percentages that I don't know fully what her contract is, but to me that's an open and shut case. Let's also not forget if we're going to move to the Corella story as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, that same practice there, and uh, doubly so. That movie that was known for uh, very big and flamboyant and very well done. Some of I guess uh, you can have your opinion on the Corella movie as much as you want, but mm-hmm. at least a lot of people say that the outfits were really good. They're really yeah. stylized. They're very fashionable. Well, too bad Disney didn't feel the same way because they gypped that fashion designer and did not pay them really? their due. Oh. oh, yeah. You can look that up. That, that, that fashion designer has not been paid her due, and they were uh, out of Disney. That's a big deal. So even then, mm. they have not been properly compensated for the amount and time. So this is not a first time that Disney has shirked on their legal responsibilities on their contracts so if you're going to renege on a contract be forced to pay the legal responsibilities yeah so don't blame it on covid that has nothing to do with it well that was a choice decision that you made on it and you could have renegotiated if that truly was the situation yeah um you couldn't renegotiate so this is what disney said uh this was their statement uh, so a spokesperson said there's no merit whatsoever to the filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing mm-hmm. in the callous disregard for the horrific mm-hmm. and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with Ms. Johansson's contract. And furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she received to date. Okay, so... Well, they're doing a couple things here, I think. For for one, I mean, listen, Disney's mm-hmm. a multi-billion dollar corporation. They have no soul uh, whatsoever um, anything yep. that they do. They want money. Um, everything they do is they want money and they want to grow mm-hmm. money. Um, and when people talk about make complaints about how 
much Hollywood and, and Disney, you know, kind of specifically panders to China. It's because you what the multi-billion dollar company wants to make more money. Yeah. Shocker. I mean, it's uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It uh, yeah. It's I mean, it's kind of sh- should be. Yeah, that should be. What? No. no. Yeah, that should be no surprise. Yeah. Why? You know, they want to grow and become bigger. That's why you see them buying up everything from Star Wars to the Marvel to, you know, everything they can. I mean, they want to become more and more powerful. Um, you know what I mean? They want to be the real life Thanos out here <laughs> in the movie industry. Uh, and so one, I think they're using obviously the COVID uh, COVID-19 pandemic to paint a picture, um, which, uh, Scarlett Johansson's talent agency, when they put out a statement, uh, they kind of, uh, uh, kind of alluded to that. And I'll read that after this, uh, statement I make. So mm-hmm. they're trying to use it as cover, trying to say that with the COVID-19 thing and, you know, you know, look how heartless Scarlett Johansson is for not considering, you know, and making people kind of be forced to go out there in the theaters to see her movie when she knew there's a pandemic. Going That's what on. I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's kind of, yeah, what they were kind of doing with that, um, like like Dust mentioned before. So, yeah, that's what they're kind of just kind of running with cover with that. Um, I think that, obviously, I mean, that has something to do with it in terms of, obviously, the pandemic happened. And if you, like Dust mentioned, you could renegotiate the contract and say, listen, we can't release this theater. It's in your best interest not to release this in theaters because if we do right now, it's going to bomb. I mean, that movie would have bombed if it got released in the mm-hmm. middle of the pandemic, a little bit after the pandemic last year. In yeah. only theaters. Yeah, it would have it would have bo- it would have bombed. I mean, it probably would have bombed uh, pretty bad. So, mm-hmm. if you still want to kind of get you know your compensation for that, um, which we they they don't release the Disney Plus numbers to my uh, to my knowledge, like Disney doesn't do that. No, they don't. Cause it's a privately owned uh, service, which I really don't like the fact that they don't release their numbers. Yeah, so they don't mm-hmm. release their numbers. So. You know, I don't know if there's a way she can get inside and see and like with the lawsuit and see how much money they made off of the Disney Plus figures. Oh, legally, legally, if it goes farther enough, they're probably they're gonna have to show proof. Yeah. Um. So so show how much money they made from that. Um. So that was kind of thing. So let me uh let me read what uh, Scarlett Johansson, her talent agency, they put out a statement here. Uh. Let me go to it real quick. Um, and let me check it out. Hold on. Okay, so this is from her talent agency, CAA. Um, and so they say they have shamelessly and falsely accused Mr. Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic and attempt to make her appear to be someone they know they and I know she isn't. Um, so I mean, basically the same thing. Me saying they dust is saying. I mean, they they know what they're doing when they kind of put out the statements like that. What image they're trying to paint, especially people already think like, mm-hmm. well, she's already rich. You know, and she's suing to be even more richer. Who cares? You know, but I mean, hey, I mean, even though she is rich, I mean, if you breach your contract, you breach the contract. She should get what she's owed and what the money was. I mean, if that yeah. were, you know, if that were you, you would want your money and you had an agreement, uh, especially if they say like, you know, she says like, well, they even verbally promised her that it was only going to release in theaters. They they did it, you know, um, so they, they kind of did that. Um, and this was kind of the situation me and Nick were talking before the show started about how a lot that was the main issue a lot of people raised concerns when they talked about doing the whole simultaneous release with theaters and with streaming services where it was you know hey what about the you know kind of compensation that these people are going to get because they that's what they do you know, with these movies especially if they become huge hits especially when you're dealing with things like wonder woman 84 that was the big thing when that came out um gail godot mm-hmm. and patty jenkins they are they were kind of like okay well what's going to happen you know, as far as compensation goes, if this is going to go to a streaming service and it's going to kind of do that, that was kind of like the because that was like the first big one, the big movie that kind of hit 
uh, streaming services yeah. was Wonder Woman eighty four. Um, any any last thoughts from any of you? Well, it's probably most likely going to get settled out of because uh, Scarlet gen- legitimately has space that with the uh, having the language uh, exclusively theatrical release in her contract. So Disney's kind of screwed. They're going to have to pay up. I mean, Disney's got a lot of money. Everyone's coming after Mickey's money. Oh. Disney's got a lot of money and a lot of time. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that could be. I mean, they can maybe draw out the lawsuit and just keep it going. And they can, but so does she. Not. She doesn't have Disney money though. She didn't get Disney money. No, but eventually there has to proceed to at least a level of a hearing, or at least mm. either pay. You reach a point where you're going to settle on these terms, and this is going to be settled out of court. Or, if you really want to be stubborn about it, we'll push this to a hearing. We'll see what a judge has to say about that. Mm-hmm. And the last thing Disney needs is a judge just taking a glance at a contract and getting more lawyers involved and more time and more money. Because then, if they lose, if the possibility, they have to pay the legal fees. They have what they owe. They could possibly have to pay more in back pay. Honestly, it's just simpler if they just go, okay, fine. Here, here's just the money. Yeah. So we're not. We'll mm-hmm. we'll just do what we gotta do. Yeah. Let's get out of our hair. Yeah. So with yeah, the public scandal with uh like uh taking it to get it in front of a judge, it it way outweighs just. Oh yeah. Okay, settle it out of court. Nip this in the bud. Yeah. So with this and people like Emma Stone, she's there's reports that she's possibly weighing options to do this. Um, so do you think? First of all, do you all like the whole method of the simultaneous release of streaming services and in theaters? Do you all like that? Just as a consumer, yeah. Hmm. So uh-huh. Purely speaking, as a consumer, I like the day and date streaming release because I live in a country where. Uh, where uh, what comes out in the states often doesn't come here for like months, days, weeks, or months later. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so having it available on streaming through my VPN, it makes it very, uh, very uh, convenient for me. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you feel the same way, does? Yeah. As a consumer, it is beneficial to have one that's a form that I can get to and just stay home and do because of my work. And the amount of times I have even available to go to a physical uh, box office, although I like doing that. It's my hobby. Hmm. Uh, however, on a legal side, as adding in, I have no problem with that. Just make sure your contracts are made sure to protect both parties and it's good and worked out. This all could have just been avoided if they just did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it, like, as fun as, like, uh, I know this is still an experimental phase. This really hasn't been done mm. kind of before. HBO Max is ex- has they had, that was their experiment, and now they're like, all right, we're gonna go all in on this. This is kind of like uh, one foot in, one one foot not quite in, because they're like, oh, we still like that box office money, and we don't know how much we can rely on that. Yeah, I if, you're, if your trepidation is on that, make a contract. Yeah. Um, <coughs> oh no. Um, I, I'm just uh, I'm just curious to see what the numbers are because I want to I really want to see the people who are paying the thirty dollars. What's so uh, like? Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. I well, mean, yeah. Raya did not do well because of that thirty dollars. Yeah. Uh, so other movies have done much better when they don't have that thirty 
runner or they that thirty dollar extra pay on top of their service. So also, man, if I'm just gonna if I'm gonna spend that amount of money, I'll just go to a theater and spend fifteen dollars to get a ticket instead. Yeah, I mean, thirty dollars makes sense, I guess, if you are in a family and you know. Oh yeah, if you have a huge family. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That, but if you're just solo, or even if it's just it's a rip off, even if it's just like a like let's say you're a couple. Spending that would be like okay. That's an, we could go to a, a theater, do you know, kind of AMC sure. stubs, get discounts there. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you had, you know, if, yeah. if you were a couple and you had like maybe one kid, don't really see the point of it. Mm-hmm. And there's there's not really a big incentive to spend the thirty dollars because you're not even owning it. You're just renting it for an extended period of time until they remove it, yeah. and then they bring it back. So it's like there's no real incentive that much to spend it unless you just are that like you just want to see it that bad you know what I mean there's not really much yeah. going for it um, so I think the simultaneous release and uh, you know being in theaters being on streaming service it's good as a consumer because it's like yeah you can see movies you don't have to go to the theater all the time um, sometimes you just want to sit at home and, and watch it um, and I but I think that if you if that's the case if that's the future we're going towards. Then I guess you would have to renegotiate with actors, with directors, to get a percentage of that. Um, and maybe you know what I mean. A lot of those people they don't want to share. Um, as you see, a lot of Disney executives and you know uh, high people, they're going like, okay, we don't want them touching that money. They can have the you know the box office money, but we don't want them touching that money. So they have to kind of get in there with that. Um, yeah. So you know, it, 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 it's even going to be more interesting because. COVID cases are kind of going up. There's this new variant of COVID that's kind of coming up. Mm-hmm. That and then you know concerts like in Chicago right now, Lollapalooza is happening. The first night, uh, 110,000 mm-hmm. people showed up to Lollapalooza. Um, I mm-hmm. know that. Um, I know in Rolling Loud, which is a musical festival in California, um, they had people that tested positive for COVID there. Um, so luck, everybody. Yeah. Um, so the cases might be going back up. You know, I don't be know. ever in your favor. Yeah. So you know, people might just be going like, "Uh, that's kind of dangerous." I'm not going to go back again. I'm not going to go back out uh, to yeah. theaters or public spaces mm-hmm. like that. I always want to stay in the house. And maybe you'll see a, a big dip in the box office because of that. I mean, box office now it's sort of kind of. I mean, I think there's still quite a bit of people hesitant to come out. And still kind of be in there. And theaters, they're not doing the whole 20%. Before, it was like capacity only could be a certain percent. And they would do like you had to mandatory sit every other yeah, seat. But. Yeah, capa- yeah, it's like 25% capacity. It's like a uh, party. It's like uh, more than three seats in between different groups. Yeah, so now they're they're not they're not doing that anymore. Theaters, at least my theater where I live, they're <laughs> now, not. Fuck it. Yeah, they're, they're not doing that anymore. Fuck it. Um, I went to. I remember I went to go see Black Widow. I sat. I sat right next to a guy, and he was like, "Oh, I guess they're not doing the whole one seat over thing no more, right? They're just just putting people, two people, right together." I was like, "Yeah, I guess so, you know." But uh, yeah. Um, so uh, moving on from discussing that, uh, Nick, you want to give us the breakdown of Miranda Mavic? What happened to our girl there? What happened, man? What's the big controversy there? Okay, so. So, uh, last weekend, a friend of the show, Miranda Maverick, she fought number, uh, I think, 13-ranked UFC flyweight Macy Barber. Uh, Barber was coming off of a two-fight skid, uh, two losses in a row. Uh, And Maverick spent majority of the fight picking her apart. Every time uh, Barber would come forward, Maverick would counter. She outlanded her... Uh, 
she outlined her, outstruck her, won the takedown battle, but the fucking judges, I guess they were, I guess they got the three blind mice judge because they gave the win to Mace Barber. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the scorecard right here. Um, I'm going to pull it up on the screen. Uh, please, God, UFC, don't flag the video when I upload to YouTube. I, I hope I can show a, a flag <laughs> a scorecard, like Jesus Christ, because we had an issue uh, last video where I tried to do something, and then they were like, and then they, every, like, I didn't even upload the video for two seconds, and like, oh, video's blocked. I'm like, God damn, bro, I didn't even, this video's not even up for two <laughs> seconds. Gotcha, man. Uh, but let's see, so this is, so this is <laughs> the right, so- scorecard right here. Um, it's gonna. So if you are like, if you see on the Twitch screen right here, you'll see it. Um, so, so if you can just uh, look at the Twitch stream there, Nick, and you'll just look at the scorecard, and they'll just tell okay. me from all the different judges. So you have Sal uh, D'Amato, you have Dave Higgin, you have Chris Lee. Um, if if that's good enough for you, if you can actually. Yep. See. So so uh, yeah. So uh, Chris Lee, he uh, scored the fight correctly. Twenty nine twenty eight. Which, uh, that was pretty much the consensus. Miranda won the first two rounds, and Barber narrowly won the third. Okay. Uh, Dave Hayden, uh, 28-29 for uh, Barber. And the last judge, Sal D'Amato, who has pretty much been, like, the bane of your goddamn existence, fighter, and it's going to a decision, he had a 28-29 for Barber. Hmm. Okay, so this was super tight. This was really, really super tight. Um, yeah, it was, it was a close fight, but when you look at the like striking numbers, Miranda uh, landed 47 of 143 significant strikes, and Barber 36 of 111. Hmm. So not only did Miranda throw more, she landed more. Uh, okay. Takedowns, uh, one of one for Miranda. Uh, for Barber, one of six. Mm. Okay. Um, but control time uh, is listed as a two minutes twenty six seconds. But all of that was latent, and that was just uh, her, her pretty much lay and praying on Miranda. And the- um. So this says, so this article I'm reading right here from Bloody Elbow. Um, it says according to MMA decisions, all twenty one of the media members who provided scores for the fight, including Bl- uh, Bloody Elbow's Stephanie Haynes. Uh, Dane Fox, Tim Burke, sided with Maverick, giving her a 29-28 win. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, uh, Macy Barb, they have quotes from her. Uh, so, of course, she's going to say, you know, she won and say, hey, I won. My my hand got raised, you know, whatever. Um, she says, I don't read Twitter. I don't read comments. I don't pay attention to that. Um, she continued. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, she said, I did what I needed to do. The judges did what they needed to do. And I got my hand raised. That's pretty much all there is to it. Um, so nah, motherfucker, you got gifted a decision. Wow. Gifted a decision. Oh, wow. Gifted a decision. Um, and you said, so from this fight, so where does Miranda Maverick go from here? Cause I know you said she moved up in the ranks actually, even though she lost, right? Yeah, I I think that might have been a a fake article that I saw, but I think I don't think there's been any real movement in the flyweight rankings. I mean, both of them are kind of like back where they started. I mean, because I think Miranda she she announced that she's uh switching camps uh after this fight, she's leaving uh 
the House of Muay Thai in uh, Virginia, and she's going to Elevation Fight Team in Colorado, where uh, the main event of that night, Corey Sandhagen, where he was training, which I think is a great move for her, especially if uh, she can pick some stuff from him. Mm. Okay. Um, so, so what is next for her in terms of fighting? So, does she have uh, an outlook of like what's going to be her next fight, or what? Uh, I think I I think uh, Miranda. She's kind of uh, she's kind of taking a little bit of time to like uh, uh, collect herself. Probably uh, do at least a full camp with uh, with Elevation in Colorado, and wait till uh, she's like settled there in that gym in that uh, in that crowd hmm. before like considering a next fight. But. I think she's kind of sticking with her plan to calling out Antonina Shevchenko, okay. who is the sister of the current champion, Valentina. Mm, okay. Um, so her training, um, you mentioned the higher elevation. I know, like, basketball players, they mention that, how different it is to play mm-hmm. um, in Colorado, like, when they play Denver, and they just, like, it's just, like, a different feeling, you know, playing in that higher elevation. So do you think her training there mm-hmm. could make her a tougher fighter, a better fighter training there with that higher elevation? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, the skill that comes out of there, you have guys like, like Curtis Blades, who is like perennial contender at heavyweight. You have Corey Sandhagen, who uh, fought TJ Dillashaw in a very close fight. One of the most technical strikers at in the. Uh, I think technically she's only going to get better with that move. Okay, all right. Well, that's good. They have a better. They have a better track record than Barbers uh, <sighs> Camp Team Out. Okay. All right. Uh, well, we have a next fight. Hey, you know, we're supporting Miranda. Got the shirts on, you know, doing well. Uh, you know, so, hey, wherever she'll it is what it, Yeah, the decision, it is what it is. But I think just the outcry and the decision, that's going to affect the matchmaking with the UFC a lot. Yeah, yeah, so. All right, so, yeah, so wherever next fight, we'll be there for her, supporting her, rooting her on. Um, and she took the uh, loss with a lot of humility. Um, you know, saw her post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw her post uh, on Instagram as well. Um, you all can go she check. Handled, she handled it better than Barber's ever handled. Yeah, so you know, she just said, "Hey, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. A loss is what it is." Um, so yeah, so she had a lot, a lot of good humi- uh, humility in that loss. Um, yeah, so you know, supporting her, rooting for her, and uh, hope she, hope she continues to be great. Um, all right, so uh, moving on from discussing that, we're gonna get into some reviews. Uh, the good meat of the show here, good bulk yeah. of the show. Um, so, um, what I'm guessing most of you can hear for, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we're going to be discussing Jungle Cruise, um, is going to be our first, uh, movie that we're going to be discussing. Uh, so mm-hmm. Dust, just, uh, hang, hang around a little bit. Uh, we're going to just go through that mm-hmm. and we're going to go through, um, we'll maybe do Stillwater after that, you know what I mean? Uh, cause we're going to be talking a lot. Mm-hmm. We won't get Dusk in, so we're going to just do Stillwater after that cause I just don't want to be going on forever. All right. Um, so, uh, with this one, so this is based off of the Disney ride. I've actually, uh, I don't think I've ever been to Disneyland. Um, I think maybe I went, maybe I was super, mm. super little. I don't think I remember, but it's, I don't think I've ever really been before. Um, have you ever been to Disneyland? I've been, I grew up in Florida, man. Of course I've been to Disneyland, but okay. I don't think I've ever been on the actual Jungle Cruise ride, but you can tell 
just in like the first introduction, they were they were definitely playing a lot of Easter eggs with that ride, especially once you introduce the rock into the movie. Yeah. Uh, so from people I've heard, you know, talk about the film who actually have been on the ride and have experienced the ride, there are a lot of references to the film uh, when it comes to the ride, especially like the, the rocks. He he always gives bad puns, which is apparently a theme of the ride. Like you hear like really, really awful puns uh, throughout the whole ride. So that's pretty nice. It's like a whole bunch of bad jokes. Yeah. Um, and... With this kind of uh, with this kind of film, it's kind of a basic adventure setup. You know, you have two teams of people. Yeah. They race to something to go get this magic object, um, and then usually the bad people are pseudo Nazi, you know, people, you know, foreigners with accents. Basically, um, here you have Jesse Plemons yep. who's and playing. This time it's <laughs> yeah, Jesse Plemons who's playing uh, a vaguely uh, European guy who they mentioned. Yes. We need to find this MacGuffin for the war. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's that the, the special object they have to get. Um, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of comparisons of this has been drawn to movies like The Mummy, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and The Mummy. It's like that actually reminded me that you know I should actually rewatch The Mummy because I haven't seen The Mummy in years, and that was such an enjoyable, fun movie. I mean, Brendan Fraser. That's, That's when a he, fun time. Yeah, it is. It's so much fun. Rachel yeah. Weisz, um, you know, one of the great movies of the nineties. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. People still meme it to hell today. I mean, the <laughs> memes of it is still very. very of fun. course, I mean, you don't you don't cast Arnold Vosloo and not turn him into a meme. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's or Brendan it, Fraser. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, that was that was peak Brendan Fraser himbo days. I mean, that was like when he was, you know what I mean? Like, like that was his peak there with him. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, you got some really beautiful people in that movie. I mean, it just has everything you would want in a nice action adventure film. You know, it's really charming cast with the great leads. Um, and with this one, and same thing like Pirates of the Caribbean, which we mentioned, which was also based on another Disney ride that they did, mm-hmm. which became a huge multi-billion-dollar uh, franchise for them. Uh, and so, uh, even though I think I kind of got tired of Pirates, maybe after the first movie, and then they cut, the, they end up doing four, and after kind of maybe the second, five. oh, they did five. I'm sorry, five. Wow, yeah, that they did five. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I know people, some people were upset, like Johnny Depp. It's like you know, they they robbed him of the chance of getting another uh, uh, Pirates movie. I'm like, really? Did you really want to see another Pirates movie? Really? Seriously? Like, no, man, no, like. I was fine with the fourth movie just being like, all right, we're done. We're just going to do a side story now. Yeah. We're just doing it. And then, and then the fifth movie's like, no. Oh, yeah. About time this shit back up. Yeah. So <laughs> even though I heard they're going to do another one with like um, Margot Robbie, she's going to be in it. They're going to have her as the lead now and everything like that. But oh, Jesus. Yeah. They, they're going to try to reboot it, I guess. So. Uh, but anyway, so with this one, so okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So with this one, Jump Cruise, um, you know, it kind of has those basic adventure elements to it, but I think it's not on the same level as kind of those things like the Mummy, like Pirates of the Caribbean. I think those were just so much more fun and had so much more kind of going for it in a way. But not to say this is bad or lesser. Mm. Um, I think the chemistry between no, no, uh, not at all. Uh, Dwayne Johnson between Emily Blunt is great. I think The Rock. You see why he's a movie star. Um, you see why he's had a career as long, mm-hmm. you know, Hollywood as he had, and he's been doing, you know, movies since, you know, basically like like he came out in like two thousand seven, I want to say, like Walking Tall. Um, no, that like not two thousand 
two, I think, was uh, the rundown. The rundown. It was yeah. like two thousand two or two thousand four. Mm, okay. So he's been yeah in it for a while. Sometimes you'll see kind of wrestlers. They'll do the movies. They'll do some, and then they kind of kind of fade out after a while. But he's able to kind of kept momentum, kept propelling up and up and up, you know, in kind of his career, which is kind of nice. And you see why. I mean, he's he's got all that kind of charisma to kind of lead. Um, and Emily Blunt, I mean, I don't think anybody has really an issue with Emily Blunt. I mean, you know, she's great. Especially this is a great summer for her because she's just coming off Quiet Place too, which everybody really liked, oh, yeah. which most people liked as well. And you know, to come to this, so I think it's mm-hmm. great for her. Um, yeah. Yeah, the only people that have a problem with Emily Blunt are the people that are mad that she wants people to stop asking her about Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a funny clip when somebody kept asking about Fantastic Four. That was uh, that was that was hilarious. Uh, but um, you also have uh, Paul Giamatti here, who we just saw. Um, he's uh, in the film who we just saw in Gunpowder Milkshake um, as well. It's good to see Paul Giamatti oh. uh, pack, uh, yeah. pop back up in yeah, movies. Yeah, I legitimately did not know Paul was in this movie, and I kind of perked up when I saw him, giving a very stereotypical Italian accent, but he's having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah, he's having a lot of fun with it, so that's good for him. Um, You also have, Mm -hmm. in this movie as well, um, apparently this is Disney's uh, 80th first openly gay character in a movie, apparently. Um, (laughs) uh, No, it's like the 100th. No, it's like the 109th openly gay, first openly gay, live-action openly gay character, excuse me. Yeah, um, this is, yeah, the 100th and something one. Um, So Jack Whitehall plays Emily Blunt's brother in the movie, McGregor uh, Houghton, uh, she plays him. Um, You also have Edgar Ramirez uh, in this movie as well. And so it's a nice, well-rounded cast of people. That, that fill it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it incorporates very much of the ride from it, which I think is very nice that they did that. For, so it c- tries to stay true to its kind of roots in a way with doing that, uh, which I think is very fun. Um, so hearing people talk about that and talk about how it references the ride and how it is a jungle cruise, essentially. You know what I mean? They are, they are on a boat. Yeah. They do travel. You know, they, they you know go in the jungle. It is kind of, you know, it's a jungle cruise, you know, and so they bring that element there. So I thought that was very much yeah. fun. I, I was kind of disappointed for, like, orchestral version of a popular song. They didn't do I'm on a Boat. <laughs> Instead, they did a Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. <laughs> ah, okay. Missed opportunity, yeah. A mi- mi- huge missed opportunity there. Uh, next time. Uh, next time. Uh and so yeah yeah, for like jungle cruise 2 which we know is coming yeah because it well depends on how big of a success this is um i i I think this will probably be pretty big because i think it's a perfect family movie to watch to really take everybody i think it's yeah i would yeah go ahead yeah it's a great it's a great family film there's nothing um even when it does attempt to get dark nothing that would there's nothing that will like scare small children. You could take them to this. Uh, I think the CG environment it looks great, uh, except some of the animals when uh, it's focused on them. They do look a little. Uh, they do look a little overly CG. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think with this, I think I would normally talk about how kind of iffy the CGI looked, but with this, it just seemed like mm-hmm. it. It kind of fit more because it's playing up to like that kind of aesthetic of 
you know, the whole boat ride and like they mm. have these bad animatronics and with the kind of, you know, animals <laughs> there and kind of everything like that. So it's kind of like playing very much to the aesthetic there uh, because they have a, um, a jaguar that's in the movie. And, you know, at first it kind of doesn't look all that good, but then it kind of gets a little bit better. Uh, but it just kind of seems like it just fits, even though it doesn't always look the best. It just it just kind of fits in the in this movie that is in. Um, I think, you know, you know, Indiana Jones is also a comparison that you'll probably see as well. Very much, you know, kind of punching, you know, swinging, you know, a lot of kind of action kind of like that. I think Jesse Plemons, he's having a lot of fun, you know what I mean, with the accent, with everything. Oh, he's a great villain. Yeah, I mean, I think he's having the time of his life playing this character, uh, you know, doing the accents. I think, you know, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a good foil, you know what I mean, uh, to, to watch and everything like that. For a kid's movie especially, uh, for kind of an action kind of kid's movie like this, he's perfect. He, he plays it perfectly. Um yeah, I had a really, really good time watching it. Uh, what, uh, what about you? What are you? Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Uh, uh, I had a lot of fun. It's, it, but it's you. You know what you're getting when you're going into it. it's a it's a Dwayne Johnson family film. You know, you know the stakes are not really that high. You know everyone's going to be fine by the end of the movie. You know all your favorite characters they're going to be fine. Yeah. All right, so it's like a little bit of a lack of tension, but it's just a fun amusement park ride. Yeah, it's a yeah, I mean, hey, it's based off an amusement park ride. It's a fun amusement park ride. Um and it has a good time doing it. Mm-hmm. Yep, the chemistry with the yeah, the chemistry with the rock and Emily Blunt, that's what really sells the movie. And even uh even like the like thousandth openly thousandth uh, first openly uh, gay Disney character. Even Jack Whitehall, he's like plenty charming in this movie. As uh, when he like gets to have his heart to heart with the uh, the Rock. Yeah, um, his character. I don't know if some people might see him as too stereotypical um, when it comes to kind of his. Which he is. Um, when it comes to kind of his attitude and kind of how he is, um, he's. I guess flamboyant. I guess would be kind of a little bit of the word. You know, very. You know, very much a guy that cares about. No, he's just his. He's the foppish, uh, proper English gentleman. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's a guy that very much cares about his suits and the way he looks and his clothes and everything like that. Very <laughs> uh, pampered, uh, likes to live life, luxury type situation. Um, and that's what people bring up the comparison to, like, more of like the mummy of how, like, it's kind of similar to the, you know, Rachel Wise uh, character's brother in the mummy because mm. it's kind of like similar. Like, he was a little bit kind of, you know, kind of weak, a little bit kind of. You know, not as brave as, you know, his sister was. His sister was more of the kind of the action person, the more taking the initiative in things. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of, you know, not so much into that, not so much into the adventure. Um, so, you know, I had a good time watching it. Um, I think it's a really great mm-hmm. movie for the family to watch. Um, I think the action is, is decent enough, you know, for the film of this, you know, kind of type. Uh, and I could, I could see really kids really liking this a lot. Um, and enjoying it quite a bit. Um, for me, yeah. I give it a shot. I'd agree with you. And uh, yeah. oh yeah, oh uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Oh uh, yeah, so I was like, I so saw really like The Rock. Um, really like Emily Blunt. Uh, like the, the a lot of people, I think a lot of people do a very very good job in this movie playing their roles. And this could have been you know really super lazy in its execution, uh, as we see kind of some things be. 
um, you know, kind of something similar like Space Jam 2, even though we didn't, we didn't, we didn't dump on Space Jam 2 and New Legacy that much. Um, I don't hate that movie. It's just that, you know, you bring some kind of talent in, at least you make somewhat more of an effort to try to do something. You get at least kind of a good product out of it. And so for me, uh, I give it a strong seven out of 10. What about you, man? Mm. Uh, well, I agree. Uh, I agree with you a lot. I think it's a very fun uh, family adventure movie. Uh, the Rock is as charming as ever, and his chemistry with Emily Blunt is is really great. Uh, I liked a lot of the side characters. Everyone's kind of uh, giving their all here. Jack Whitehall, uh, Paul Giamatti, uh, Jesse Plemons is easily uh, one of my favorite actors, and he's great at uh, chewing up scenery. Um the CG, it looks a little iffy in some parts, but like you said, it kind of fits with this more uh, amusement park ride aesthetic that they're going with. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> directed by Wamkale uh, Sarah, who's going to work with The Rock again, Black Adam, and this movie made me more curious to see that. Mm, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's fun, but there's nothing in this that really stands out. It's a solid product, but it's Probably also one that I'm forget I ever saw in like two weeks. Mm, yeah, yeah. So for that, I'd say it's a six out of ten. Yeah, I think it's it's fun when you watch it. I don't think it's necessarily that memorable per se. Um, I don't think. Uh, well, who knows? But I, you know, like we brought up again, the Mummy. I don't think you know the Mummy. People still kind of remember that movie. Mostly, it's been twenty plus years mm-hmm. later. People still thought, kind of talk about the Mummy and everything about it. Um, will this have the stand power, something like that? I have no idea, uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to think about twenty years in the future, honestly. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, not a lot of people are buying the twentieth anniversary Blu-ray. Uh, people aren't buying the twentieth anniversary Blu-ray cruise. Yeah, uh, but you never know, man. I mean, you never know. People could. I mean, people got attached to Space Jam '96. You know, hey, this could be the this could be great for kids. They'll they'll, they'll go twenty years later. And say, oh yeah, you remember when you know I saw the Rock and Emily Blunt, and the Rock will still look the same. He'll still be a huge. He'll be yeah. even bigger actually twenty years from now. He'll be even bigger uh, than he is. He'll now. literally just turn into a rock. Yeah, he'll be the boulder pretty much at that point. Um, so um, all right, so moving on from discussing Jungle Cruise, uh, Dusk. Um, he's got us covered with Stillwater, uh, which is the Matt Damon film. Uh, Dusk, lay it on this, man. Alright, so without going into too much details, uh, Stillwater is about Nora Worker, who uh, works in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, I believe his character's name is Bill. Yeah, Bill Baker, uh, played by Matt Damon. And he learns that uh, his estranged daughter, uh, Allison, is, uh, while studying, uh, she is arrested for murder. Uh, for murdering her friend allegedly and he travels there to of course when you hear that you, you go oh shit I, I he drops everything and goes there flies out there to to find out what's going on and, and finds out that it basically he's tries to get her out tries to go through the prison system tries to go there and tries to exhaust pretty much every legal option so he decides to permanently live in france for a while and struggles to clear her name dealing with a different situations that come with it like language barrier cultural differences i mean he's a guy from oklahoma there's gonna be some cultural differences between when you go to france right so he struggles to kind of figure it out and 
dealing with uh, the legal system, in particular, like the penal code. He's just not really familiar with that, and he's aided by um, what's her name? Looking over here, Camille Cotton, who plays uh, Virginie, and uh, her eight-year-old uh, daughter Maya, played by uh, Lilo Siaviond. Saviold, I, I probably mispronounced that wrong. And he's got to figure out uh, how far he's willing to go in order to free her, which includes doing some not necessarily legal things uh i'll start with cinematography it it's all right the cinematography is pretty good there's some beautiful shots initially mm. of, of paris or of um, france i should say and it really kind of it's really interesting because they show a lot of grime they really do not really paint france very well they paint it very kind of rough in some parts, and it's the tone of the movie. To be also be fair, early on when he's in Oklahoma, he's working around. Uh, he himself is pretty, pretty. He wears the same same gray hat and all this kind of darker clothes, and it, the whole tone of the movie is pretty dark, pretty like grimy and kind of dark. And uh, the cell, the area she's kind of being held into, isn't exactly clean and. She's not especially treated well. And he starts learning things about her that uh, that uh, Father maybe should not kind of learn in order to try and free her. And starts questioning some things about himself and mm. some other aspects. And it kind of goes in the gambit. And as nice as all that stuff is, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I watched all two hours and 20 minutes of this movie. And it's, it's just not that great. Matt Damon does a fine job for what he's given, but I just I want to care a lot about her. I'm really going into spoilers, I can't really explain some of it, but some revelations come up later that you just kind of go, oh, well that kind of that kind of muddies the water a bit in some of the story. This story already has some muddy waters here, and it's not really doing the best portrayal of the legal system and some other stuff and if you're going to come at the legal system you have to come with us you got to be like dead center on what you're trying to say and while it does kind of try to say those things it's more kind of it's more like a story of how far a father's willing to go to save his daughter and hmm. i've seen taken so except without less gun shootouts and stuff like that don't get me wrong, there's there's some uh, tense moments when he's dealing with some unsavory characters and trying to get information, but I don't know, man, it's just... I was just not kind of feeling it. I was trying to, I was trying to really get interested in it, and while there's some good moments, I wasn't really into it. Mm. Uh, you can ask me some stuff more about it if you want. Right, so um, I was reading some stuff about it, so seems like this movie's heavily inspired by, like, the Amanda Knox case um, to the point where... Oh, even, okay, I was going to get to that later, but yeah. Yeah, so even to the point where Amanda Knox is, like, blasting the movie, um, saying yeah, that the movie... Was... Oh, go ahead, what did you say? No, she was pissed. She was pretty upset. Yeah, um, she says that the movie is profiting off her life, uh, basically things like that. So, um... I don't know how much you know about the Amanda Knox case, or if you can kind of draw similarities there. So, between or what, what. Uh, so there's some, there is, 
I don't know exactly if it's a direct parallel. It, although, when you get to a certain end, uh, near the end of the movie, it does not parallel at all. It kind of goes off in its own territory. Uh, for, either better, for better or worse. But this movie kind of, it feels more like a Matt Damon kind of vehicle to kind of show off his more chops on that front. Mm-hmm. When I was more interested in kind of I kind of the one I uh, after I was kind of done watching the movie, I decided to look up more about Amanda Knox and kind of looked at the different stuff. And man, her story is way more interesting. Mm. I wanted her perspective. Mm. Well, we get some of it. It's mostly from his, and just I really think the movie would have benefited if you saw both sides, what both characters were really going through. Um, honestly, I think it would have been a great dichotomy, but kind of. It does and it doesn't at the same time because this only just focused on Matt Damon and really his life and how what the father has to go through trying to prove his daughter's innocence. Uh, for example, in the movie, it takes place in France. Mm. The mm. Amanda Knox situation, she was actually in uh, Italy. She uh, That one, I believe, was Italy, I believe. Italy. Yes, yeah. it was Italy. Uh, murder of uh, Meredith Crutcher, who was a fellow exchange student who they shared apartments with. It took... About eight years until finally she was acquitted. Mm. So it was eight years. And wow. Along with that, uh, she was sorry. She spent almost four years in the prison, but eight years in total until she was officially acquitted by the Italian Supreme Court. Mm. So that's a long ass time. Yeah. Four years sitting in a prison, and then before that, not. And she's gone on to uh, become like a journalist and an author and writing her own book mm. and. I can see if you were, hey, you were inspired by a story, and some of the choices this movie kind of decides to do, I can see from her point of view how this might be a little insulting. Not to say the movie's bad, not to say the script writing was terrible, it's just, the decisions they kind of make, it does feel like they took a little too much, or they tried to kind of focus a little too much, but the inspiration is there. It's like you can see the, the, the shape of what they wanted this movie to be. And it almost would have been better if it was more generic. Mm. Mm. Um, it almost would have been better if it was a bit more generic and less kind of taking inspiration from a story. Yeah. Um, when I but, saw the trailer for it, uh, Matt Damon, you know, mm. he kind of comes in and I hear his accent. Uh, my initial thought was mm. kind of like, is he doing uh, kind of like this caricature, this stereotype type performance of a guy from like Oklahoma and coming in, you know, to the foreign area, and it's like, well, I'm going to show people how things how it's done because I'm a proud American, and I do this and I do that. And it does it come off like Matt Damon's performance as kind of corny of being like this American guy from Oklahoma and things like that. So does it does it, does it come off as there that? are some tonal moments where it does seem like he's kind of a fish out of water, and that's what they're kind of going for. But. The darker, the more the movie goes on, the more darker it kind of becomes, and you're just kind of like, well, all right, all right, it's being a little bit more serious now. Uh, I don't know what kind of, it, it's almost kind of, you just kind of forget he has this really weird accent. And you're just kind of like, all right, I guess that's just who he is. Mm. You almost kind of wonder why they even decided to go with that. Mm. Okay. It, it sort of loses its character over time, but. Yeah. At first, I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, no. Right. Um, yeah. Do you see much of Abigail Breslin in this? 
So you see some of her. She's she's there for a bit, and you do get to see her stuff. But a lot of it is just, all right, I learned a little bit about this. All right, I, I see her. Then I learn a little bit more. Okay, then I see her, and I'm going to try to work out kind of what's going on. It's because the police aren't doing their job, or there's some corruption here and there. It's yeah, for some, At some moments, it's interesting. They kind of dive into deeper stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Yeah. Um, Nick, you have any questions? Yeah. Um, not really, not really, uh, that's pretty much covered any questions I had about, about Stillwater. Okay. Honestly, also, uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, what would you, uh, what would you, uh, rate it, as far as, like, uh, uh, critically? Taking the movie as it is, and looking at the cinematography, his performance, the couple of other stuff, I'm gonna have to give it, like, a six. Mm, six, hmm. okay. Maybe six maybe even like five because remember a five is average um like on my scale five is average a six is a six is so my my scale the way i the way i work it is one is absolute it it barely saves itself from being zero which is worthless Mm -hmm. one is it is terrible god is like awful two is terrible three is bad Four is slight, slightly below average. Five is below average. Okay. Six is slightly above average. Seven is um, good. Eight's great. Nine's amazing. Ten's perfect. Okay. All right. So, so yeah. it has some moments where it's slightly above average, but I really can't give it any more than that. Mm-hmm. Especially with some of the stuff they kind of do and some of kind of some weird choices they kind of make. I, Without really going into detail, I can't really go into it, but it's just, especially that ending part, where you want to feel sympathy for this daughter character, and if they wanted to follow this Amanda, if I was Amanda and I took a lot of aspect from this character, what they decide to do at the end, and uh, a twist reveal, kind of, sort of, with her, with her character in particular, is really, is really screwed up, and is really insulting. It, I would be insulted if I was her, and I know she was already insulted just from the idea. Mm. But I would also be kind of insulted from what they assume. If you want, I can go into spoilers, but... Um, just... Well, I kind of want to see it. Uh, I want to see it. I want to check out what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, make so. up your own mind. But mm-hmm. for me, yeah. personally, yeah. based on... I've, I've seen better stuff. Matt Damon does a does a fine enough job of what he's given. But there's just there's like so much potential here. And it's just... if I kind of just wish they just dropped the whole illusions and just went harder almost okay either go harder or almost kind of like old boy go old boy go so get some balls go all the way so you want to see is it that you want to see more just like straight up kind of more hard-boiled action or like more not necessarily hard-boiled action i wanted to just see i wanted to see both i wanted to see what the character, uh, his daughter was kind of really going through at the same time. You do see some of it, but I wanted to also see what they're both. Because they're both strangers in a strange land. Mm-hmm. And there is some, okay, we're learning through this. I'm trying to deal with all these different barriers. I'm trying to deal with it. And I feel like there's a greater story that could be told with that avenue. And it just really just isn't done in this movie. Okay. And the allusions to, like, taking away the allusions to Amanda Knox out of the equation... I just can't give it a bu- anything above a, a six out of ten. Okay. All right. 
All right. Okay. If, if people enjoy the movie more than I did, that's great. I'm happy for you. <laughs> but just for me, it's just a 6 out of 10. I can't give it any more than that. Okay. All right. Sorry, Matt. Oh, no. Hey, man. It's your review. It's your All opinion. Right. Yeah. It's your review. I haven't seen it, so I can't can't comment. Uh, I haven't seen it. Can't give my opinion. I imagine if you saw it, you might you might agree with me. But you tend to be a little bit nicer, so you might give it a 7. But I just can't. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. What do you think Nick would give it? Nick, yeah. he, he he's kind of in the middle. I think ultimately he'd probably fall on the six out of ten, though. Okay, All right. honestly, I think he'd fall. You'd be like, it has some good parts, and I like to kind of like this, but at the end of the day, it didn't do enough of those good stuff. So six out of ten. Okay. Holy shit! Did you? Holy shit! That was a spot on impression of my my like uh, my critiquing style. Told you, man. I listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know. <laughs> Why you bring me on the show? Right. Oh, that's <laughs> um, all right. So moving on from discussing Stillwater, um, you want to do Masters of the Universe or you want to do Batman? Want to do that? Masters. Uh, mm, let's talk about Masters of the Masters of the Universe. Let's uh, get the let's, uh, piss off the man babies real quick. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, you have Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation. Um, so. Premise of this is the War of Eternia begins again, and what we may be the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor uh, may be the be the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor. So um, He-Man, of course, uh, kind of long-standing uh, pop culture animated series. Um, it started in the '80s. Um, hit t- I actually looked it up, so it only had like two seasons. I was like, wow, people were really fell in love with the show mm. in, in two seasons. That's pretty. That's something. I mean, to leave that much of an impact on people. Um, even though you were on the air for two seasons, and I've never seen He Man. That was He Man was kind of more. Seasons are usually longer too back then. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah, very much so. so. Yeah, animated. Yeah, especially for animated shows. Uh, and there was Shira in addition to that. So yeah. he also appeared on Shira on occasion. Yeah, how long did Shira last? Did you know that? Shira lasted, I think, uh, additionally, and also two seasons. Okay. Um, so, like we discussed before, like when GI Joe, when we talked about that. Um, it was more of an 80s thing. Um, I really didn't have a connection to G.I. Joe. Just like I don't have a connection to He-Man. Because He-Man was also like an 80s thing. Um, I do know of He-Man, of course. Because like, a lot of references get t- talked about him in pop culture. The you know power of Grayskull. And you know, I, you know, I have the power and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's you know very, very big. Um, and, and, stuff. and I do know of She-Ra. Um, especially because She-Ra did... Uh, make a comeback also recently, very recently, a couple of years uh-huh. ago. Um, they did the whole She-Ra cartoon. Uh, I know yeah. that. I know people had issues with that uh, supposedly. So uh, a lot of people had issues with that. They brought that back. Uh, that was the 2018 um, uh, series that came on. That's not still on, right? That, that's off. No, thank God. Yeah. Okay. I didn't see it. Um, no. It. Yeah. It. That that's a whole other story for another time, but it's basically fan fiction. Okay. It's basically it's been a budget of fan fiction. That's all you really need to know. Okay. Um so I didn't see that one. Um and I know they did a He Man, they brought it back He Man for a little bit another anime series. Uh, two thousand two. Yep, two thousand two they brought it yeah, back. Yeah, two thousand two. That one's which, great. That's legitimate. Yeah, which has a show. Yeah, it has one of the best opening titles where he's like doing the classic intro from the show and 
then just explosions happen. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's how you know Skeletor. That's how you know Skeletor is an asshole that he won't even let him do his like title sequence. They uh, in the 2001 they do expand a lot on the characters more. There's more mythos and they do expand the world outside of just fighting Skeletor all the time. Other villains become all as prominent, if not more prominent, in that show. And unfortunately, like the 2011. The Thundercats show, which was also equally fantastic, it did not get to finish its run. Hmm. Okay. Because they brought back Thundercats for the 2011 show, and they did like they, another one recently. 2011. And they did, did. Oh God. They did another one kind of recently too, right? Yeah. Thundercats Roar. That yeah. one's really bad. Okay. Um. I, I those series never really attracted me all that much because just the animation style. I didn't really like all that much. It looked. Very much like they were trying to do like Adventure Time kind of animation style type thing. What? Uh, with Thundercats Roar, am I, if I'm thinking of the same thing. Uh, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, oh okay. Because I was like, the 2002, uh, 2011 Thundercats looks is like great animation. It's fantastic animation. Yeah, no, the lazy one, that's that's Roar. That's yeah. basically Teen Titans level of animation. It's okay. like Tumblr. Oh, it's Teen Titans Go. Yeah, it's Teen Titans Go. Thank you for correcting me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. They were like... The... It's, it's Tumblr art, basically. Yeah, kind of look like super kind of kitty type stuff like that. Like yeah, She-Ra she kind of looked bad. like that, too. The 2018 She-Ra kind of looked like that, so I kind of... Yeah, also, also kind of Tumblr art as well. Yeah. Um, so with this one, with Master of the Universe Revelation, um, so it's, it was kind of like, I was trying to find out, because people were saying things that Kevin Smith had said, um, maybe Dusk can, mm. can, you know, correct me or anything like that or bring this up, but, because I was trying to talk to some people mm -hmm. about the series, why they hated it, um, what was the major dislike about it, especially for me, like I said, I have no connection to this, I got no, I got no, you know, stake in the battle or whatever, you know what I mean, and liking this or not liking this or having an attachment to it. I'm just completely an outsider coming sure. into it. Uh, yeah, that's in, fine, man. In terms of it. So what I, what some people were saying was like it was a bait and switch where the that Kevin Smith, the trailers presented a thing like He-Man was going to be the prominent main figure in this. Um, and they kind of switched out with Tila. Um, who is really the kind of the protagonist of these first five episodes? Because it kind of deal it deals with her right. story, and Tila's voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar um, mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. And you have a, a nice, great cast of people in this. You have Mark Hamill as Skeletor, because of course he's Skeletor. Of course, you probably cast Mark when, Hamill when you get a vil when you need when you need a villain in an animated series. Probably your first call is to Mark Hamill. Yeah, it's a shame because uh, the guy who uh, who voiced Skeletor in the 2002 show, he was also really good. And the guy who voiced the original Skeletor is in the show. Why you just don't use the great the great man himself and just bring him back, especially um, for continuity's sake? I don't know. Probably just something different, I guess, to change different kind of. I know. Things. Yeah. I'm just messing with you. I'm oh. just having fun with that part. Oh, okay. Um, you also have uh, Lena uh, Lena Hetty. Um, as we learned how to pronounce from Gunpowder Milkshake last last review, uh, is it said Hetty or is it Heedy? Heedy. I'm sorry. Fuck. It's Heedy. Jesus Christ. Okay. Heedy. <laughs> um, Heedy, uh, who's Evil Lynn because of course Evil Lynn. I mean, you know, yeah. Um, you know, from her kind of type typecasting from Cersei from Game of Thrones. You actually got quite a bit of Game of Thrones people in here. You also have Liam Cunningham yeah. from Game of yep. Thrones is in here. Uh, you know, he plays Man yep, at Arms. He's playing uh, Man at Arms. Yeah, so uh, Diedrich Bader, he's a uh, trap jaw. Uh, Diedrich Bader's in this. Stephen Root is a uh, cringer. Uh, Griffin Newman, he's Orko. 
Mm, yeah. Uh, you also have Chris Wood, uh, who people know. He was uh, in Supergirl, um, and he was the love interest there. And there, uh, he's playing He Man. He's voicing that character. Um, so in, in this case, so um, so I don't know. And Justin Long also here is in here as well. Uh, he plays Roboto um, as well. Uh, I know Justin Long. Yeah, yeah. he's. Uh, often collaborated with uh, Kevin Smith and things like I saw him when he was in um, Zach and Mary make a porno. Um, he was in mm. that as well. So he's he's <laughs> um, yeah. He's, he's the best part in that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you also yes. you also have uh, like legendary voice actress Chris Summer is in here. Um, I was like, oh wow, she plays the priestess oh. in this. I was yep. like, you know, Chris Summer. She, if you don't yeah. know, uh, she voiced basically your whole childhood. Basically, I mean, you know, you basically if you grew up in the '90s, early 2000s, um, if there was an animated show, she was the voice in it. You know, she talks about it, um, and she did this a great interview with her, and she says if there was a black person on a TV show in the '90s and early 2000s, nine times out of ten, I probably voiced that character uh, more than likely. So she's <laughs> uh, so she's awesome. Um, I love her. She's great. Um, so, like I was uh, saying with Kevin Smith, so I don't know if if you all have seen this because I was trying to look for articles, but so people were saying that Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith had said that He Man was going to be the main protagonist of these first five episodes. Um, I don't know if somebody can in the comments they can link me to something because I haven't been able to see that. Um, the show itself is called Masters of the Universe. It's not called He Man in the Masters of the Universe because usually it's that should have been a dead giveaway. Because um, usually, yeah, it's He Man in the Masters of the Universe, but this is just called Masters of the Universe and then Revelation. Um, yeah, that yeah that should have been like the give the the giveaway that yeah this is not a He Man show. This is a more Tila story. This is the story of. The rest of the other characters in Masters of the Universe. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it mostly focuses on yeah all the other kind of characters other than He Man. Um, and again, I kind of wanted to bring on somebody who was big into He Man to kind of have more discussion of how it compared to the 2002 show uh, and the original show. If they've kind of watched both, uh, because you know it focusing on the other characters, uh, kind of brought out with like more like Orko. Uh, I heard like with Orko, he's he does kind of more here than he's done previously in other series. He's kind of a much mm. better character, much better uh, fleshed out. He was good in 2002, though. He did other stuff in the 2002 mm-hmm. one as well, and they still uh, they actually allowed him to have an episode that was kind of like in the original one series, where Orko was like, "Ah, oh, I'm good for nothing. I don't really know. I didn't really. I'm just a court jester because." You know, I'm not really good for anything. But then you find out in the 2002 one that his magic doesn't work because he he lost his wand. Like, the way his Mm. people and his magic work is actually using an instrument to allow his magic to flourish. And he ended up losing it, saving um, Prince Adam's life when he was a child, uh, when he was in the swamp. Mm. Um, So he saved his life but lost his, his, like, ability to utilize his power in the 2002 one and... That uh, as thanks, Randor allowed him to have a seat because he had his um, as the court jester, so he could keep an eye on Adam, and that's how they became friends, and that's how he became. And he's not just worthless; he does have power. It's just that he doesn't have the inst- his instrument to really utilize it. And there are actually a couple times where he like pretends he has power and is helped out. So it's not like this is the first time. He hasn't had more character, but okay. I, I think the newest one that he has done some stuff. Yeah, have you seen any episodes of Revelation at all, or you seen me? Yeah, you seen them all? Or... 
Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, okay, you've seen them all. Oh, okay. Um, so, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so, with this one, so, like I said, mainly focuses on Tila. Um, and I know some people are talking about she looks kind of mannish or something like that. Or, you know, like, where, like... She really does. I I don't know. I don't see that at all. I don't... Like, when I was watching I it, I, I think she looks like a woman to me. I I mean, I don't really see much. I mean, yeah, she's got kind yeah, of... She- yeah, she looks like a woman that fucking works out. Yeah, I mean, she's... Yeah, no, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I just, I'm looking at it from the two, the original series in the 2002. I thought 2002 was a better representation of she's still a warrior, but she was more like, oh, I've got acrobatics and other stuff. Then again, by the time you've gotten to this point, she's become, uh, by the first episode, she's made a man of arms. So, hey, man, you trained a lot. You trained an awful lot to receive that role. Can't blame me for getting gains. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it kind of opens with that. I really can't. And you kind of, the big thing that kind of sets off this episode, um, it sets off the series, really, is that, you know, He-Man, he does die um, in this. And, you know, she finds out that He-Man is really Prince Adam. Uh, so it's, you know, secret identity type situation um here and then she kind of finds out this kind of thing classic kind of storytelling you deal with somebody with a secret identity is that oh you lied to me all this time all this time press adam you know was he man i never knew um <laughs> which i mean it seems kind of obvious that he was he man <laughs> i mean you know it's not like that was a dramatic it's the superman yeah so. i mean i mean just add like just add like a foot in height and like 50 pounds of muscle and yeah yeah it's yeah. the same dude yeah didn't even change his hair uh, same same kind of hair, yeah. yeah. But like I said, you know, it's hey, just got that's, that's the logic, you know, just like Superman logic. Even though at least Superman put on some glasses, he could at least, you know, I don't know, you know, put on and like at least, you know, kind of put his hair in front of his face a little bit, did the mop top look, you know, kind of maybe did the Beatles look. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but um, so yeah, so they find out, um, and then kind of mostly a lot of people knew except for her, and you know, she just feels incredibly betrayed, lied to, so she kind of sets off on her own adventure. Um, how did you all like Tila uh, as a character and following her? And as someone does, as someone who's seen kind of the older series, um, how does she compare to depictions of her from the older series? Uh, Dust, you'll probably be able to speak more to like uh, how she is compared to the other series, but just watching this mm-hmm. series alone, I really dug her character. Mm-hmm. I... I do think uh, the script suffers a little bit of that problem with characters explaining exactly how they feel with dialogue instead of, you know, really trusting your audience you. to, like, gather that. I really appreciate you putting but, that out there. But that being said, I think Sarah Michelle Gellar does give a great mm-hmm. voice performance, uh, uh, sh- especially when she's able to play off other characters like like uh, Orko or uh, Evil Lynn, especially Man-at-Arms. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, Dust? Uh, my problem with uh, my problem with the show isn't the voice acting. Everyone who does the voice acting does mm. a great job for what they're given. My problem is what they're given, how the characters react to this world, the continuity even before... Even, they're treating themselves as a sequel to the original 1980s. So and so when they, that mm. trailer came up, uh, I was actually shocked that, like for the first time in 40 years like the, you're gonna see him in again like but the 2002 show they're like uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna forget that we're gonna forget that really great reboot reboot it's just us now uh the first time we're, we're, first time and i'm like all right well you better be amazing then is that this is a, still a really <laughs> fondly remembered uh reboot 
mm-hmm. one of the rare cases of doing it. Mm. Uh, and I'm gonna be honest, Taylor herself, she's not the worst written character. She's not the worst written character of the show. In fact, she's the most interesting. And I'm glad because otherwise, um, the whole show would be pretty bad. When you take away the whole mm. idea of oh, well, you feel betrayed because everything is pro- uh, propped up as the He-Man story, and don't get it twisted, they did lie. There was false marketing. There was like, eh, mm-hmm. it's going to be about He-Man. No, it's not. That's not what the show's about. Uh, they should have been more forthright. I don't think it would have been nearly as much of an issue if it was going to. If they just said, look. We're going to re- resurrect He-Man, but we want to tell the Masters of the Universe story along with He-Man. We want to explore that angle of it. Tila had a great storyline in 2002 one that unfortunately didn't get to full fruition, but she had her own character and journey to go on as well. It was just, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. With this, it felt a bit more contrived. And my problem also is with continuity within characters. Like, He-Man... Yeah, she's she's upset. Oh, Adam didn't tell you. Adam didn't tell a lot of people. His parents mm. didn't even know, which I call BS in one of the episodes where she gets upset, his his mother, Adam's mother, and she tells the king, don't you realize Adam's our son is dead? I'm like, yeah, but you don't know that. You, you legitimately, from the original mm. show and in the 2002 reboot, you don't know that He-Man is also Adam. The only people who know who He-Man and Adam is, Man in Arms, the Sorceress, Orca, and Crimjar. That's it. Those are the only people who knew that He-Man and Adam were the same person. There's four people. But they're like, no, more people knew somehow, except for Tila. Like, no, that, that's kind of already, like, kind of destroying a little bit of what was already built up. I, That's already off to a bad, kind of a bad start. But I let it go, because, you know, it's a new show new stuff you're gonna figure out what's gonna go on and i don't know about you nick but yeah well that well the jury's kind of interesting they kind of do some weird stuff with skeletor and evelyn and what their actual desires are and i kind of don't like the way that tila kind of acts like she was owed of anything like oh i was owed an explanation adam i was owed this for whatever i'm like no no you're not mm. there uh, that's at least my problem. It's not necessarily that the actress or the voice actress isn't doing a bad job, but just the way the show is written and the way the show is handled. Hmm. Sometimes. Okay. Um, so do you think the main weakness of the series, both of you all, is the writing? Do you think that's the main weakness? And that I know Kevin Smith, I mean I mean he's kinda I mean, hit or miss to say the least in his projects when it comes to you know things he's done, and you know, um, and I know Kim Smith is a big nerd, um, and uh, you know he's mm-hmm. an all-around lovable guy. I think Kim Smith is. Um, you know, it seems like he's one of the genuinely nice people uh, in Hollywood, like him, Adam Sandler, Paul Rudd. They seem generally just like nice guys that you kind of like to hang out with. Um, as far as quality of stuff that he's yeah, done, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, Kevin. Yeah, I I like I like Kevin Smith as a person. I don't think he's that great of a writer. Correct. Because even the like comic stuff he's done, his Green Arrow is good, but uh, his Batman stuff is mediocre. Uh, a lot of his movies are like hit or miss after uh, the original like iteration of the Viewers Universe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, and I know he's going to do Clerks 3. Um, he's working on that right now. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, as long as he, he eases up on the dope, maybe <laughs> gets a little bit more testosterone in his system. And I'm being completely serious. I think a lot of people are harping on him because cry- he cries and stuff and whatever. Guy had a heart attack. His uh, daughter put him on a diet so that he could, like, you know, stay with her. And he's like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, unfortunately, produces a lot more estrogen. So he's a little bit more emotionally he is. I mean, he might need just some more testosterone supplements to help him out, even keel his, uh, from that supplement. But honestly, as long as he just hangs out with his friends, talks to people, that's cool. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a fine enough guy. Uh, I'm not so worried about that, that stuff. More just the quality of the show. The animation is really good, though. I will say that. Mm. But it's everything else around the show mm-hmm. involving the story and characters and the way it was handled. Mm. I just... I would have preferred, instead of making a reboot, basically a sequel series to the original, just continue where the reboot left off and, and finish that up with better with the newer animation and just and, and finish it off with a bow. I think fans would have appreciated it more and probably would have done better. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put up some animation from like the 2002 um, just to compare yeah, sure. a little bit on the stream here. Copyright. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to, just to compare a little bit, just compare like Tila, how Tila looked, and everything, how some of the characters look. Um, mm-hmm. So with the series, I found like they said, the animation looks pretty good, um, and I think that it focuses on Tila. I didn't really see any, so I had no real expectations per se of it being only mm-hmm. focused on He Man. Yeah. Like you said, it should have been kind of more of a tip off since it's called Masters of the Universe, not He Man Masters of the mm-hmm. Universe mm-hmm. Uh, Revelation. Um, the story, the way it kicks off of kind of, you know, this, you know, like she was lied to and now she's setting on for her journey. Like you said, um, her kind of feeling like she's not owed anything at all. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, that happens a lot in comic book storylines, superhero storylines where you know, a person, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, where it sits off. Like sometimes that, that'll, yeah, that'll, that, yeah, that's all good. Yeah. That's par for the course for pretty much any story involving a secret act. I, I too, and that's also a pet peeve of mine anyway. So it's not just isolated to this mm. show. Yeah. Because there's better ways to handle a scenario like that. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how you write it, yeah. uh, how you do it. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, in this situation, I didn't have much of an issue. It made me normal like I would because, I mean, you are fighting alongside someone, <laughs> you know, and your life, you know, kind of trusting in this person. So, you know, I think it has that kind of maybe angle to it as well, um, you know. Especially you know, so I think it kind of has sort of that type of angle as well to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that you know, throughout the show, there's only five episodes, so it's quick watch mm-hmm. um, in terms. It's only each, yeah, only five in this first part. In this first part, they're going to yeah, release part the other two five. Going to come out. Yeah. yeah, which I'm kind of fan of that model. Mm. Yeah, I prefer the. Uh... Five, first five discuss have some fun and then let, finish it off yeah I, I mean i don't know i think releasing all the episodes given how people were reacting to the first five would have been better if they just dumped maybe all the, all the episodes <laughs> yeah. uh because yeah but but the way the fifth episode ends it works better as cliffhanger for the next five episodes hmm. True. i can yeah. see that yeah uh because when people say like well you know they were lied to like he man's not in this so he's in flashbacks well obviously He's going to come back because there's a, a second part. They're not going to completely just get rid of your man mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, you know, when people say that, it's like, well, there are no. two parts to it. Yeah. Ultimately, what kind of made, ultimately, again, it's just the marketing that kind of failed 
that aspect of it. Okay. I don't think it would have yep. pissed off as many people if you just said, hey, guys, we're going to do this cool little story. We're going to try it. And then you could take it on its own merits like I'm taking it on and on. Mm. I'm not even trying to attach it to the 2002. I'm just taking it as is. And I still think mm. there are issues with the show by itself. Oh. But, you know, as a, but, you know, that's just my like my feelings on it just looking at the show in general. Okay. I don't know how Nick feels about it. I'm actually kind of curious what he uh, what did mm. you kind of like about it? I want to hear your um, perspective. Yeah, for me I liked the I I have not seen any of the mm-hmm. the 80s animated show and I only vaguely recall bits from the 2002 reboot. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just watch this watch this uh, series on its own. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of fun with this. I love the the animation. I think the voice cast is stellar. Mm. And I liked that you're focusing more on some of the side characters that on paper are just going to be, you know, the silly side characters. Mm. Like uh, Evelyn, I really appreciated her arc, even though her name is literally a pun. Yeah. Mm. And I like how the show pokes, pokes fun while paying tribute to some of the sillier aspects of the 80s show mm. like they make fun of the bad puns they the very alliterative dialogue mm-hmm. and it's all done in earnest which i really appreciate it now i do think the script at points Dude. like uh that issue i uh i had before like characters explain in dialogue yeah. how they're feeling it's like like writing 101 i mean come on kevin smith you've been writing nerd stuff for like the past 30 years yeah sh- uh first rule in anything show don't tell um i i i enjoyed it a little bit less than i think you did nick but i did appreciate <laughs> the animation i did like the the voice acting a lot i think all the choices made sense within who they were given but the material mm-hmm. in which they were given, that's where my problem is. And it's also, I don't mm. appreciate, there's some jabs in there and some SJW stuff that feels just kind of like, why is it even in there? Why'd you kind of throw it in there for it? it? It's not even for, I'm against kind of some of that stuff. It's just like, okay, why are you throwing in that part that has nothing to do with the character? Like, oh, oh no, Skeletor's story about, why I got my face, it's like one of my face melts and why I'm evil. And I'm like, yeah, we already, we know why you're evil. There's multiple different backstories to why you had your <laughs> face melt off and why you're evil. That that additional reason. Did they even, did they even, did they even like address that in this, the, these first five Yeah, episodes? so, no, no, they did. Because remember at one point, you know, he's he's going like, yeah, it's like, what woman could ever love a face, like, like, Oh come on, man! Don't make an allusion to that. He's that 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 was more. I read that more as just like he's being a dick because yeah, that's what he does. True, but I don't put it past uh, these uh, people nowadays to don't slide little shit like that in there. But I will agree. It was that one in particular is a smaller smaller one. There's bigger things, but you know, uh, I'm curious to see what the other five are. I really hope they're better. Uh, I'm hoping that overall it will be a better package than what it's the first half it started from. Not to say that it's a bad package. Mm. Uh, it's not it, like everyone's losing it. Like uh, people going like this thing's a trash fire and it's absolutely terrible and stuff. It's got problems. Mm, no. 
it's got problems. Don't get me wrong. But it's if, if you think that's a trash fire, okay, guys, um, ease up a bit. Mm. It's not it's not the greatest thing, and I don't and I do think there was some unfair expectations on it that it put it on itself, unfortunately. Mm. Okay, but you know. I'm eager to see whether the the last. I'm hoping to see the five will redeem some of the uh, the the previous. But if not, you know, at least it's a. I would have preferred the continuation of 2002, but taking it as a show by itself. Smart ah, problems with it. I gotta. I want to go with a seven, but I'm unfortunately gonna have to go with another six. Mm, okay. That's uh, just my feeling on it. But how about you, brother? Um, so I, like I said, I like the animation. I think the action of the series is pretty good. Um, I think mm. that, um, a lot of the voice cast, I think, does a solid job. A lot of good voices here. Uh, Lena Hetty, um, Hetty, yeah, it's Hetty, right? Hetty. Hetty. Okay, Hetty. 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 Okay, Hetty, right. Um, I think, you know, she, you know, she, like from her to Lean, uh, Liam Cunningham, Sarah Michelle Geller, Chris Wood. You know, I think Chris Wood. I don't know. I think I find him kind of flat as an actor. I don't know. I, I thought he was, you know, flat. You know, when he was on Supergirl, I don't think he's that good on there. Um, I think he's kind of flat here a little bit. Mm. Um, never. I just. I don't know. Um, you know, he's not a very, you know, interesting kind of He-Man, uh, Prince Adam there. Um, and you know, just curious why I casted him. Maybe wanted to maybe cast somebody with a bigger voice or more, you know, kind of a, a, a kind of a bigger voice a little bit. But um, I think, you know, he still does decent enough. Um, so I think that the voice cast does a solid job. Uh, having not, you know, known really the lore, really, of, of Masters of the Universe, anything like that, I think, you know, getting to know some of these characters more, getting into depth with some of these characters more, I think was helpful for me in understanding the world um, and the whole kind of mythology of things. And and where the place, you know, kind of uh, where, you know, kind of the place and setting of it is. And so, you know, when you said when you bring up the Skeletor origin stories, like I didn't really know all that much about it. And, you know, and them kind of, you know, doing that about kind of him losing his face. Um, so that was kind of helpful for me to watch it. Um, I think it's a fun enough series to watch. Um, I couldn't say I was like that 100% into it all that much um I thought it was just kind of good enough um I'd give it a strong six for me uh out of ten um hmm. like I said I, I would watch the second part again um especially since it's only like five episodes each of 30 minutes I spent I was thinking it was going to be maybe just a full like 30 minutes they, they were that they were going to do uh but it was like kind of 25 minutes ish uh basically what they did with each episode um so yeah um a lot of the criticism I've seen of the series, um, just trying to understand where it's kind of coming from, is a lot of like, well, you know, they did this in the older series, and they pitched it to me as one thing, and I got to switch another thing. It's like, well, okay, I can't. To be fair, there are bigger issues than that. Okay. Aside from some of the, aside from some of the, like, you got to get past some of the people who are just mad for mad's sake. Okay. You actually dig mm -hmm. deeper. There are some genuine other issues than the ones I've mentioned, and those ones are genuinely fair. Okay, yeah, uh, but yeah. but that's I'm just pointing that out there because I don't want to just completely disregard all of mm -hmm. it. Yeah, isn't just unfortunately the the large 
speaking minor- minority is overwhelming the legitimate criticisms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, because I, I think it's a fine That's series. Yeah, yeah. A lot of yeah. I think a lot of the hyperbolic criticism is because yeah, it's a woman in my '80s TV property. Hero existed. I, yeah. I see no problem with this. Yeah, Shira. Mm-hmm. Um, Although yeah. I, I would have preferred a, uh, I would have welcomed a much better Shira reboot, but way more mm. bitter. But hey, yeah. that's again. I, yeah, I even heard good things about the Shira that's on Netflix. I mean, check it out if you want. Uh, I, I still think it's that's just fan fiction that got happened that got a budget. Mm. But again, yeah. if it, you enjoy it, yeah. you, you good dude, on you. Yeah. do you, man? Well, dude, dude, most most of Kevin Smith's nerd stuff is fan fiction. That is true. I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, most of that is. Kev, I mean, Kevin Smith, the kryptonite condom. I mean, Kevin Smith's real life is fan fiction. <laughs> I mean, he named his daughter Harley Quinn Smith. I mean, his real life is fan fiction. I mean, fuck, you know. you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and I know, like, well, and she somehow keeps getting work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesus. I wonder. It's a mystery. How does she keep getting work? I wonder why. Um, oh, because she, no, uh, she's well, friends it has with no, uh, Johnny Depp's daughter. It has absolutely nothing to do with nepotism. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Um, I but, don't know why you would even bring it up. Yeah, because um, I know, like, with the Shira series, I know, like, the whole reason they made that series back, um, or one of the main reasons they did it back in the day was because they realized, like, oh, we have a large female audience, you know, with the He-Man show, so why not do a spinoff with Shira and get more of the female audience in here? Um, fair, that was also a very big comics thing, too. Yeah. There. there was a if you had a main character then you had a sidekick mm-hmm. you had an aquaman you had an aqua lad if you had a superman you had a superboy if you batman a robin uh a wonder woman a donna troy which is that is its own thing but yeah you get the picture so like she-ra's he-man's sidekick is what you think well okay so that it, that also became in the tv series especially for animated stuff if an animated show was popular enough uh, like the bionic or a, a regular show they would have the bionic man they would have the bionic woman they would do okay same concept but this time it's a woman so yeah. she-ra is the long lost sister of prince adam hmm. okay so they had a daughter at one point she got snuck away to another kingdom entirely told she was something else and then if she finds out she's she-ra princess of power and that she has a twin brother a fraternal twin brother named Adam, who's the heir to, yeah. you know, he's He-Man and stuff. And they know that they're he and He-Man and She-Ra. And again, I only know all this crap because I watch a bunch of Phalus and he goes into that shit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to remember, was it, it was Hercules that was first and then it was Xena? Or was it the other way around? It was actually, interesting enough, they're around the same time. Okay. It was Hercules first. You're right. I think it was Hercules first, and then not long after, because so Xena made an appearance and she was so popular as a spinoff character that she got her own show, which almost dwarfed the he- Hercules show. Yeah. Which, like no. Her- <laughs> well, it doesn't it doesn't help it but, doesn't help hurt that you know Kevin Sorbo is a shitty actor and Lucy Lawless can you know oh, yeah. emote. Yeah. Disappointed. <laughs> 
yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I think it was yeah. So Hercules first. So that was kind of a similar thing, like how you talk yeah. about Beyond Bionic Man and then Bionic yeah. Woman. So yeah, popular. It just, it just happened. It happened a lot, and especially in the eighties and nineties, that was just a very popular thing to do. Yeah. So it's not that. Oh man, I've never seen a female character ever lead anything in their entire life. Although for some people that's still foreign. I mean, come on, guys, just that basic alone. Um, All I care is just to have good writing. Yeah. Uh, Nick, mm-hmm. uh, final thoughts, rating? Uh, yeah, this show is a lot of fun. Um, uh, if you can get past the uh, kind of clunky dialogue, the animation is gorgeous. The action. Uh, it, it's really fun to watch. Uh, the voice cast in this is stellar. Um, and you get really nice development from characters like Man-at-Arms, like uh, and Evil Lynn. Uh, once again, Lena Headey is a goddamn national treasure. <laughs> I do think the writing is a little bit weak, and that's uh, kind of the downfall of the series, but I still had enough fun to give this 7 out of 10. 7 that's out of fair. 10. That's fair. Yeah. So, so... Everyone here is excited for part two. Looking forward to part two. We'll watch a part two, right? Yeah, I'm curious. I I, I want to see where it goes. I'm not necessarily excited, but I am curious. Mm. Oh. I liked the the first five episodes enough, and I think it's a really interesting place that makes me excited for part two. Okay, mm. cool. Oh, and Harley Quinn Smith. She had a role in this show too. She had a role here. Okay. <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> she she had a role here, and nothing to do, no, nothing to do, nothing to do with nepotism. Yeah, she played um, talented voice. Uh, Elena, Elena, that's who she played. Uh, I don't even know who that is. Uh, she's probably she was probably just a a character. Yeah, that was there for a little bit. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So she's hey, not- at least she did, he he didn't pull a Fran, uh, Francis Ford Coppola Godfather three. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he just he just put Sofia Coppola in that movie and ruined it. Yeah, he could have he could have he could have made her Tila, could have made her Shira. So, (laughs) yeah. So I guess that would have that would have made the that would have made some of the fans like either livid or amazed that they just like you know what we're just gonna put reboot Shira here too. Why not? Yeah, Yeah. whole new Shira show. Whatever. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on from discussing Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation, uh, we're going to be discussing Batman: Long Halloween, DC animated film, part one and part two. Part two just dropped today, um, so we were just waiting for part two to come out so we could just review both parts at the same time. Um, has anybody here? You've yeah, has anybody because yeah, yeah because of Long Halloween it's one of the it, it's one of the quintessential Batman stories. A lot of elements from Long Halloween went into. Uh, they pulled a lot of it to for stuff like the Dark Knight, for uh, a lot of some of the animated series. Pretty much every animated series owes a lot of uh, interesting arcs to the Long Halloween, and it looks like they're taking elements for for uh, Matt Reeves' next uh, Batman movie. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the more important comic book um, storylines. Yeah, um, and has anybody here read this comic storyline? I've read it years ago. Um, Batman uh, on Halloween. I read it a long time ago too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick, what about you? Yeah, strangely, the the book, the book for me, it's kind of my blind spot. I've never, uh, 
I just could never like find a, a good copy. A good scan. Around. Yeah. <laughs> no, if I'm buying the comics, I want to like... Yeah, hardcover. It. It's actually kind of hard getting some hardcovers of store, specific storylines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially like the long... Uh, looked on Amazon, the one copy I found was like 50 bucks, yeah. which... Okay, fuck off. Who's <laughs> from my blood? Yeah, you, they don't have a comic book shop. Fuck in, off. They don't have a comic book shop there in Japan. You can go to. They do, but uh, but I, but I don't read enough Japanese to like uh, get it there. American Gin. Uh, okay. much of a guy. Gin news. Uh, okay. Um. Yeah. So you know, Batman Long Halloween is one of the classic Batman uh, stories. Uh, like a, it's along like with Batman the Killing Joke, Batman the Dark Knight, um, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Knight Returns. It's very much, or you know, Batman Hush. It's very up there with very very classic Batman kind of stories. Um, and then Batman the Long Halloween is mm-hmm. a thirteen issue, and uh, what? Oh. And it's widely regarded as, and it's also widely regarded as the last good thing that Jeff Loeb's written. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, Loeb. that's fair. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Loeb is, is 13 series. Uh, it was a 13 limited series written by Jeff Loeb uh, with art by Tim Sale. Um, so it basically, so with the premise of Long Halloween is taking place on uh, kind of Batman's early days of crime fighting. Um, and there's, they're mm-hmm. trying to, and he's trying to track down this killer named Holiday who murders people on holidays uh, once each month. And he's also working with uh, Harvey Dent. And, uh, Don't you mean Calendar Man? Uh we, I'm sorry. What did you say? Calendar Man. Uh, Calendar Man. I mean, he's in the Long Halloween, but yeah. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, they they go to him. <laughs> they do like a Hannibal Lecter thing with him, where they go to him for right. advice. Shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So um, they do that. It's like, hey, you know, we got another guy who kills people on Pacific days, like you, you weirdo. Hey, can you help us out? Uh, <laughs> why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell us your secrets? Yeah. Asshole? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, do you think that this killer, the Holiday Man, you think he's going to do a, a, a mass killing spree on uh, Arbor Day or what? Can you help us out? Like, like what's going to happen? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they're tracking down that killing. He's working with uh, Harvey Dent and James Gordon. And so it's kind of just kind of race against um, kind of the clock a little bit to kind of get this killer. And especially, um, you know, Batman's also trying to stop a big. Uh, war that's going to go up to these two powerful crime families, the Ramoni uh, crime family and the Falcone crime family, um, as, as well as trying to stop that. Um, so he's got a very, very busy kind of time going on here in his early days um, as Batman. Um, I will say with the series, um, I think the mobster stuff here in the animated movie feels really, really super kind of like cliche, I think, in the terms um, and the stuff mm. that kind of do... Uh, because it's you know they uh, they even do it like a he should be sleeping with the fishes and they do that not uh, ironically they actually say it like legitimately like the person should be that's like uh, okay I think that's that's a little kind of uh, not so good that line and they even do like a make him offer he can't refuse they do that and here uh, Falcone says that uh, so kind of a lot of kind of mobster tropes that it's kind of like okay it's super tired. Um, that I thought was kind of yeah, but e- but even in Batman lore, the mob stuff, it's never been it, it's never been anything other than really cliche. The strength of it is really in the voice performance for me, because mm. uh, Titus Welliver he does the voice for Carmine Falcone, and he's great here. Mm. Yeah, um, and let me go over the voice cast here. 
um, about who's playing who. It's stellar. Yeah, so you have Jason Ankles as Batman, who, don't know if I was really 100% sold on him as Batman. Um, Jason Ankles, he did a wonderful mm-hmm. job. He was also in another DC animated project uh, called Batman Under the Red Hood, where he voiced uh, Jason Todd in that. Um, I thought he was very good. It's Jason- fantastic. Yeah, under uh, the red hood. Yeah, that movie it, it's fantastic. It, it's one of the best. It it's to my money the best uh, animated uh, DC film. It's one of also one of the best um, uh, comic to a different interpretation of the Red Hood origin. Mm. Mm. So far, I consider it like I consider 100%. that the best origin. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. yeah, Absolutely. Uh, we also have a uh, Naya. We also have a uh, Naya Rivera. Uh, the last role she actually did before her passing is mm. Catwoman. Yeah, uh, we have uh, Josh Dumel as Harvey Dent, uh, Billy Burke as uh, Commissioner Gordon, uh, Jack Quaid, who's uh, who we know and love from The Boys as uh, Alberto Falcone. Yeah, um, yeah, Troy Baker in here, uh, major voice acting talent. If you play video games, you know who Troy Baker is a very, very big acting talent there. Um, you know, he's voicing mm-hmm. Joker here. Um, and the movie does a, a rest in peace to Naya Rivera, you know, loving memory of her at the end mm. uh, of part one. Uh, did they do it at the end of part two as well? Um, I don't think so, right? They just do part one. I think they did. I, I watched, yeah, I watched part two last night. I think they did. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so they give a special kind of uh, tribute to her at the end, uh, you know, loving memories to her. Um, the animation I thought was really nice. Um, I thought it was really had a good look it almost kind of mm. looked a little mm, i'm not an animation guy so it's it's hard for me to kind of like almost like a cell shaded type look but not really per se yes it it kind of looks like that it reminded me a lot of to be in the venture brothers mm. okay yeah uh i can kind of see the similarity <clears throat> but, a which bit. uh for yeah which for dc very different from what they've done in the past, but especially with the like last uh, animated movie universe they did, they were more like anime inspired look, mm. where pretty much all the like character designs were the same. They just changed the hair around. Yeah, uh, and let me pull up images from the comic itself to see how kind of close it kind of resembles mm. the actual animation. So. I think you know the from the comics. It, it, it's not it's not the same it's not the same from the comic. They even do uh, both movies opening credits of uh, art from uh, of Tim Sale's art from the books. Yeah, um, so it's not the same. They do a little bit of a different kind of variation. I think the character models they get kind of you know they try to more emulate the character mm-hmm. models um, from the comic, like you know Falcone, Ear, Joker. Uh, the way the Batman looks, um, so I think the looks very nice. It looks very clean, very slick, um, mm. and you know they have the you know the Catwoman's very the classic kind of Catwoman look, uh, which is kind of awesome. She's got you know kind of mm. that look, um, and so I thought that looked very nice as well. Um, Batman in this, um, you know, when he's investigating the cases, when he's you know kind of doing his thing, I think that's very interesting. Um, and like I said, more of like mm-hmm. how you imagine how Matt Reeves is approaching the Batman with Robert Pattinson and really taking more of a strict detective look at things, him investigating clues, him, mm-hmm. you know, asking questions, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and asking questions with force, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta torture some bad guys, gotta beat the crap out of them a little bit. 
Uh, but they didn't die though. I mean, he still. Hey, I don't kill, but I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll mercilessly uh, just beat you up. Uh, what were you kind of thinking about handing the- out CT, handing out CTE like candy, but he won't kill you. Yeah, won't kill you. Yeah, he'll put a Batmobile over your face and run the tire, but he won't, he won't kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so what were you thinking? about? He won't kill you, but your hospital bills might. <laughs> uh, so what were you thinking about the, the two parts of this movie? Uh, for the two parts, um, I really enjoyed enjoyed this. I'm, you know me, I'm a huge Batman nerd. So anytime there's like good Batman, I'm I'm eating that shit up. Especially this, it's kind of a version that we hadn't seen in a long time of a younger, greener Batman. Especially like in the first two parts, he's making a lot of mistakes as far as like the investigation goes. He's still learning how to be a detective. And um, you say that uh, you weren't completely sold on uh, Jen Sackles as as Batman. Give me a hundred percent. He's great at capturing that greener uh, Batman. I can see this version evolving into what we later see in the animated series or even the even the Arkham video games. Um, the voice cast really really shocked me. I was amazed how good Mel as Harvey Dent is because he. Because uh, we talked about him in uh, Jupiter's Legacy. He was always kind of like that eh, so-so actor. But he's great at, at playing Harvey. He's really capturing the the conflicted uh, character that is Harvey Dent. Who his... It, who uh, The Long Halloween, a lot of it is Batman learning the ropes of being a detective. But it's really a Harvey Dent story. Mm. And uh, Dumel carries that really well. Mm. Yeah, good. Good to see Josh DeMille on a good comic book property and not Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, <laughs> so he finally had a good comic book. Property. Um, yeah, um, and you also have other villains in here, like we mentioned, Catwoman, who's played by Naya Rivera. But you also have Joker in here, Mad Hatter, Poison Ivy, Riddler, uh, who make appearances in here. So very much of you know a lot of appearances from Batman's Rogues Gallery here. Um, and with the Long Halloween, yeah, the most notable we the most notable we mentioned was a uh, uh, Calendar Man who. Yeah, who in most cases he's like a joke character. Yeah, who is uh, who here is voiced by a David Chin, who you all know as a uh, that guy who's in comic book. He's playing. Uh, he's next role is going to be Polka Dot Man in next week's Suicide Squad. Mm. Wasn't he? Wasn't Calder because of this comic book um, storyline altered to be far more serious? Yes, the, a lot of how uh, Calendar Man became kind of this darker character was owed to the long Halloween. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, the way that he kind of plays him, Calendar Man, um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of how Michael Emerson played Joker in uh, The Killing Joke, mm. uh, where it's kind of very kind of soft. In uh, Dark Knight Returns. I'm sorry. That was, uh... That was him in uh, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Dark Knight Returns, sorry. Because Killing Joke was Mark Hamill. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, in -hmm. Dark Knight Returns, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that performance because it's sort of kind of slightly effeminate, uh, very kind of soft-spoken kind of a little bit. Um, It kind of, so it even kind of, you know, kind of had that kind of feel for his performance. Uh, But, you know, him going to, I thought he did a very kind of solid performance as Calendar Man and going to them, uh, the scenes, um, like you know, 
anytime there's like a serial killer on the loose, is like you gotta go talk to the other serial killer, you know, the you know, investigate, you know, you know, behind the <laughs> glass, you know, ask them questions type situation. So you gotta do that um, in these type of uh, movies. Mm. Um, is there any kind of issues you had with it at all? Okay, so one criticism I have, it's uh, one of the changes from the source material that I don't think works 100%. So if you've seen The Dark Knight, if you've read the book, you know that Harvey's, uh, before he becomes Two-Face, he has the two-headed coin, the Mm -hmm. coin with uh, both sides of its heads. And in the comics, the origin of that coin is, it's what Harvey Dent's father would like torture him before he would abuse the shit out of him. So Harvey would take that and adopt it more as he grew up and as he'd become like this hotshot district attorney. And whenever he needed to make a choice, really deep down, he wanted to give the illusion of chance and really mess with people. Uh, here, he gets it from Batman. But the origin, it's further explored in part two, so it kind of... Uh, backdoor retconned it but that's but to me that coin it's a symbol of how corruptible harvey dent really is and it's like kind of laying the foundation of him becoming the app Mm -hmm. that's one of my only like real big criticism of this Mm -hmm. Hmm. okay um as far as me for criticisms um i think i said some of the mob stuff is really really kind of cliche when it comes to that type of stuff but i think Mm -hmm. that you know a lot of it is is handled well it's not too too bad i think a lot of it's kind of handled pretty well um i think the investigation part of the series is good um i think um the batman catwoman uh some of the sequences there um feels how can i put this because sometimes you know some sequences uh feel a little too overly romantic, a little too kind of schmaltzy in a way, kind of sometimes uh, between the two of them. But I think it's a good cat and mouse game that they play. That that's you know very huh. great, uh, uh, great to um, you know the relationship. <laughs> Unintentional that pun. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, Batman doesn't have a scene like Zack Snyder wants where he uh, he, he he goes down. Or there's no, <laughs> there's no scene like that um, in this. Um, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, I th- I thought you know uh, oh there isn't zero out of ten yeah you know Zack Snyder would definitely be watching it's like man I could just do this so much better I mean Batman would be eating her out and then this would happen <laughs> and then he would kill this guy and he'd blow this up I mean what the <laughs> fuck is this <laughs> like you know what I mean and he would pose in the air what is this Batman not killing people yeah you know what I mean uh, but uh, so but I, I thought some so I thought you know great cast of people great voice actors. Uh, that all deliver a good mm. job. Um, as we mentioned, love the animation. It's absolutely stunning to, to look at and to watch. Um, definitely made me want to go back and read the, the uh, Long Halloween comic uh, as well. And um, so, and we said Jason Ackles, like, yeah, I mean, this does take place continuity-wise. It's supposed to be, like, after Batman Year One, um, like a few years after that one. Mm. So, you know, bring that more younger kind of Batman uh, kind of first few years uh into the job uh i just you know i i just think maybe he should have i don't know if it was like you know his voice should have been deeper for batman or just had more of a, mm. a stronger demeanor you know and it's kind of his attitude uh not to say jason Inkles did a bad job it's just you know i i think that maybe 
I'm just now too used to kind of more of the older kind of grizzled kind of Batman, like Bruce Greenwood, who mm. voices Batman, like on Young Justice, um, who I think does a really, really good job there. Mm. Um, but I still think he did a, a very solid job. Like I said, it's a younger performance. He's supposed to be portraying a younger yeah. Batman. And, and, yeah. Especially especially in part two, where we get more, we get to see a more emotional side to Bruce that we don't often get to, we don't get a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, very, yeah, very much so. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, I, I would give this uh, if I had to give a final rating, um, probably a strong eight um, out of ten for mm. me. Uh, what about you, Nick? Oh, for me, uh, you know me. I love Batman. I love the animation in both this. Uh, the voice cast is stellar. Josh Duhamel impressed the hell out of me, especially once he becomes uh, Two-Face. And this movie, it's... This is one of the great Batman stories. Mm-hmm. And they did the right thing with making this two parts. Because the story is so long, it's so detailed, splitting it up into two movies, it allows the story and allows the mystery to really set in. And the changes from the comics... Uh, more often than not, they work, except for the part with the coin. But even then, it still works. Once you get the real origin in part two, that's when it it really uh, settles in for me. Um, this does a great job of showing a more emotional side to Bruce Wayne in part two, and in this movie, it has deceptive amount of heart because even like you said, with Batman just like giving people handing out CTE like candy, he shows a lot of humanity some members of his rogue scout. There's a big moment in part one during, like, Thanksgiving where he, like, leaves Solomon Grundy a plate on Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh, you didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, it's moments like that that remind me how human Batman can be. So for me, this is 9 out of 10. This is not only one of the best DC animated movies, it might be one of my favorite Batman movies, period. Mm, even better than Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I put this way over Dark Knight Returns. Mm, okay. All right. Um, hmm. It's tough. I don't know. I have to go back and look at a lot of the DC animated movies to make that judgment. I think it's up there. Mm. I think it's pretty high. Um, and the stuff that they do. Um, I just wish they didn't always do Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman movies or Justice League movies uh, all the time. Uh, um, I, I agree with you, but when they nail it, they nail it. Uh, uh, killing Joke wasn't a nail. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I thought that was a huge, huge killing <laughs> Hey, joke. like I said, when they hit, they fucking hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because yeah, Killing Joke definitely was what the fuck was this? Jesus Christ. Nah, that, that show was ass. How do you It fu- makes me really worried for that, like, live action. It makes me really worried for that live action Batgirl. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, how do you fuck that up? You had, like, Kevin Conroy come back and Mark Hamill come back. You had the, <sighs> the creative team from. I kind of wish yeah. that they. Yeah. They, they should have just, like, cut out that entire first movie added nothing besides a weird creepy batman batgirl sex scene yeah oh, man. uh it kind of makes me worried for the because i know they're gonna do like a new batman animated series with um bruce tim and then jj abrams mm-hmm. producing and everything we talked about that before uh and yeah yeah bruce tim jj abrams and matt Reed. 
Yeah, they're they're gonna do an animated oh, series. Wonderful combo. Yeah, well, it could be good. I said it sarcastically. <laughs> I don't know. It could it could be something. Bruce Tim's a good dude, but he's also as Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim is a guy who needs Paul D. He does. He needs someone who reigns him in. Sometimes the guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's made some of the best animated stuff, bar none. But he's also gotten older. He's gotten a little bit more arrogant on what he can get away with. And yeah. by the way, the mm. whole uh, why you didn't like the killing joke, that whole extra Barbara Gordon shit. That's something he he put in all the way back from Batman and Beyond. He's had a real hard on putting that relationship in there. Yeah, cause I, I remember mm. that. Yeah, I remember. No, that. hey man, look back at that. That that there was initially. Uh, I re- remember that. I remember. I I remember. I was trying to block. Yeah, way back um, in the, um, they alluded to that, and they left it very classy and just alluded to where it's a, we might have had, like, a brief fling back in, like, Batman Beyond. Yeah. But it was, like, when joke said, nah, he hit it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was way, but it was way more, like, mature in the way that it talked about it when we're respectful. Yeah, mm. in, in the killing joke, it's like, why is this even in here? This has nothing to do with the comic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, alright. Uh, alright, let's get out of here, people. Uh, good show. Uh, had a lot yeah, to talk about. Uh, we talked about a lot of news, uh, did some movie reviews, so it's pretty good. And so, Nick, where can people find you, man? Alright, you can find me, Twitter, Instagram, at Night and Day Nick. Uh, Dusk, where can they find you if, if you want to be found? I like. I like staying as the, uh, <laughs> the stranger who shows up every once in a while. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mysterious stranger. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you ever, guys, if you guys ever want to ask us a question, of course, you can always email us at theafternoontune at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on the social medias, uh, TikTok, uh, Afternoon Tune. We are on Twitter, uh, The Afternoon Tune. We are on Instagram, Afternoon Tune. Uh, we are also... As well on Facebook, Facebook group, uh, The Afternoon Tune. Uh, if you want to listen to us, we are available on wherever you listen to podcast, uh, podcasts, like Apple Podcasts. We are there. Spotify, we are there as well. Anchor. Uh, with Apple Podcasts, um, it'd be nice. Always leave a good review. Uh, let us know uh, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Uh, constructive criticism is always great. Uh, leave a good rating. Uh, that really helps boost us up. Of course, we're on YouTube, um, as you may be watching this right now. We're also there, youtube.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, just type in The Afternoon Tune, you'll find us there. Uh, last uh, last episode we did, uh, what was last episode? Uh, we did Snake Eyes, did a review for that well, one. Last episode, yeah, Snake Eyes, Lola, um, uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Yep, uh, so yeah, so good mix of some smaller films, bigger films. Um, also... And the Snake Eyes video that we posted did some good numbers. Uh, did pretty well. Uh, almost at like 100 views, yeah. kind of. So it did pretty well. Uh, pretty nice. Uh, so if you're on YouTube, yeah. hey, uh, don't comment, like, subscribe. You know, if you want to, if you feel like it, do that fun stuff uh, as well. Uh, somebody commented on our um, on our video, uh, Space Jam and New Legacy, when we were talking about the UFC uh, 264. They had to come in and correct uh, good Nick. Nick and uh, Yelsey had to come and correct them. They were like, no, that's not uh, what happened uh, with Joe <laughs> Rogan. Um, so to come in and correct that. So uh, good, good. You know, comments like that always good. You know, to make yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, uh, yep. Good comments like that. Um, so and also we're on Twitch. So twitch.com dot slash TV. 
Uh, I mean, twitch.tv. Twitch.tv. Yeah. Slash the afternoon tune. Slash afternoon tune. Slash the afternoon tune. You can find us there as well. Streaming. Streaming uh, typically Fridays, 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, Also, we'll probably be streaming Saturday as well. Uh, Probably late uh, Saturday because I'm going to go see Green Knight. I'm also going to do some other stuff before. Um, get a good workout in maybe early that morning Saturday. So, um, be doing some streaming. Uh, um, Dusk, are you available Saturday? Do some maybe play some knock more Knockout City Saturday night. If you want to, uh, I think I should be able to. Oh no, I have a I have somewhere I'm going. Unless it's a late night, I could do something later. Yeah, later, like kind of like ten ten p.m. maybe eleven something like that. Yeah, I think I might be able to do that. I can do that. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that'd be awesome there, um, and possibly we're gonna do maybe I'll do a stream maybe Sunday uh, afternoon something like that to do Green Night. Um, so uh, to all you people out there, hope you having a great time listening to this. Hope you enjoyed yourselves, and don't forget to always stay tuned. Stay tuned.